you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. Yeah, and welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando, episode 62 yeah, 62, and uh, this is going to be a very cool special episode. Uh, we have some guests coming up on, uh, well, I try to do this in real time. Uh, I'm recording three new episodes today. Uh, we're going to be interviewing Constantine Maroulis. Uh We're going to be interviewing uh, Eric Valentine, but that is then, this is now. We had to make a special episode uh, just to fit in news. So this is a Shotgun News uh, episode, Art, uh, Art Tavana. I know you are used to my stupid sound bites and uh, all my news segments. So Art, just waking up, welcome to Appetite for Distortion. I appreciate you uh, you getting up and doing this. It's all right. I'm excited to talk about this monstrous box set. Ah, yes. That's, the, that's what we got to talk about. I even said on our Facebook and our Twitter, one of those moments that I wish I – did like a daily radio show about Guns N' Roses. You know, uh, this band that you don't hear a lot about sometimes, but last week, uh, as we're, again, as we're recording this, uh, yesterday was a Cinco de Mayo, so uh, May 6th here. Uh, it's just, just crazy news. We would, I, I guess, I've been following this great uh, Guns N' Roses Facebook page, uh, GNFNR uh, fan spot, not in this lifetime, and I'm seeing people post the banners that we all know about it at this point. The, the skulls that you would see on the uh, the Appetite for Destruction record, th- that destruction is coming. And mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know about you, Art. I never believed that it was going to be a reunion. I'm like, maybe it could be a one-off. So when before we get into the box set itself, because we don't need to build it up too much. We all know what it is now. Uh, but what were your first thoughts when you saw those those posters everywhere that we learned that it was a GNR.FM and there's all these little dots all over the world on on the, this new website and you would hear Shadow of Your Love. It's like, what's, what's going on? What were you thinking before the announcement came out? You know, it's weird. I had a different thought about this whole thing. Obviously, insiders, people who are involved in this, in this world think about it differently because we hear stuff through the grapevine. So people were saying stuff to me about a seven vinyl kind of remastering release for a while. So I kind of thought this had to be that. But what I thought they were doing was release was starting their own radio network with different podcasts and playing like things like that. I thought they were going to try to get into the podcast space, actually, which is what my initial thought was. And then slowly people started talking about the box set and the sort of merchandising and the stuff they were trying to put together as a remaster, re-release so, yeah, I mean, pretty quickly I kind of knew what it was, but I never thought it was a, a, a full-blown reunion only because I don't think they would have done it that way. I think if they were going to do an actual proper reunion of the entire band, it would have been announced um, in a more like less of a trolley kind of trickery kind of way because I think at this point they're not, you know, at this point they're just more like they're, they're on tour and they don't need to do any of that like teasing stuff. I think they would have just announced it. But yeah, yeah that's just me. Yeah, uh, I knew I won't give my source, but I knew there was going to be a box set months ago from this person, and I just didn't know if there was going to be 
additions to it. I was told a box set w- with uh, a bunch of goodies. That, that's all yeah. I knew, and I, I paid respect to this person by not, you know, spilling the beans. You know, that's, you know, uh, let's let's all find out when we're all supposed to find out. But when I again, when I saw those <laughs> banners, it was a unique ad campaign. What's going on? And as soon as they did that GNR.FM site, I'm like, I thought it's kind of the same thing as you. Are they starting their own radio station? And I kind of got, I have to admit it, I kind of got mad and jealous. I'm like, you know what? I've talked about starting a Guns N' Roses radio station, which was, and I'll always give credit, uh, the idea sparked from Steve Gorman from the Black Crows, who wanted to, to do like a traveling, because he, he's, he's a sports radio host now. He wanted to take a show on the road on a potential uh, final uh, reunion tour of the Black Crows, which never happened because of Chris. So and I, when I had him on, we talked about it, and, but I just took that idea and ran with it, of course, with GNR. And so I'm like, what's what's going on? And how am I not involved? So I, you know, became very angry and bitter, but you know, also very excited, very excited. Um, so then, of course, we all know what it is now that the box set was announced, and it's just interesting why they did the that particular ad campaign for a box set to sell something. It's not, it wasn't for the reunion, like initially with not in this lifetime. It was to sell, a, I don't know, a box set. That's the PB word of the day. I wish I had that sound bite up. So it was just interesting because a lot of bands do this, especially Kiss, and I know they're going to come up uh, soon. And but GNR has never done anything like this. So once the the set list was released, I'm like, I have all this crap. Like I know about all of this. You know, there there are two songs that I've never heard of, which uh, I am excited about, but not for the price, which we're going to get into as well, and also our other guest. So, <laughs> Tim, we're going to get to you in a second. Don't worry. Obviously. Sounds good. Uh, uh, the Plague, I never heard of, and also New Work Tune. So they are the, the right. remasters of Appetite for Destruction, of course, and a lot of uh, the uh, 1986 Sound City Sessions, and also since then... Uh, which has gotten me more excited. They they released uh, Shadow of Your Love, which we've heard Hollywood Rose. You know, Gilby Clark did a remix of it as well. Always liked the tune. You know, wake up, it's time to play. Always liked it. But this remix, which came out with a lyric video, it just sounds awesome. It feels like a fresh new song for me. I thought the lyric video, even though very simple, was very cool. We don't see any, any new videos from GNR, so maybe it's my low expectation. But I thought the graphics were really cool. So that's my was my thought process going in. Uh, then before we were because uh, R and I were going to get together today anyway to interview Constantine. We're talking about the box set. We were going to do it as my GNR news segment before an in interview, as we usually do. But then it was brought to my attention uh, from that great Facebook, uh, Facebook, uh, great GNR Facebook page, the uh, fan spot one, that this uh, guy Tim Tricoli, right? I'm saying it right, like Spicoli. I sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I, I remember it, though. I would have, I would have said it wrong. So uh, that's if it helps me, just accept it, Tim. Just sit back and take it. <laughs> so uh, Tim made this this public post. I was going to just talk about it, but Tim was nice enough to, and I have to say thank you to Remco from the Netherlands, who's been on the show. He was our special guest co-host with uh, Chips Enough, who kind of was the middleman in setting this up. And that you were a part of this in a way, and you're just a fan. So, what is your 
Like, what's your story? What's your involvement in the box set? Because, you know, we're all going to talk about whether we like it, whether it's too much, all that fun stuff. But what can you tell us with your involvement with the Guns N' Roses locked and loaded box set? Well, you know, so basically, uh, you know, I've collected, you know, Guns N' Roses items for a long time. And um, I bought a, a certain item from a certain person um, a while back, you know, and this person is well known in the uh, music memorabilia community, you know, I mean, not just like among us, like lowly fans, but I mean, like well-known, they have books on it that they've been listening to Rolling Stone for the person to go to, you know, they're a well-known person for this kind of stuff. And so, um, and, and you know, Guns N' Roses, uh, either the band or the label or the management, let's just say Guns N' Roses, the business, they reached out to this guy, because um, they were looking to track down this certain item that he had sold, you know. So he sends me an email and says, hey, they're reaching out to me. You know, they want to know if I can, you know, put them in touch with you. Is that okay with you? Um, and, and I'm like, yeah, of course it is. Right. You know, no problem at all. Um, and so eventually we arranged a time to talk on the phone. You know, so we, we're talking, and uh, initially they're just interested in this one item. But then I told them, I was like, hey, I don't know if you know, um, and, and, you know, and I don't really know where your guys' plans are at this point, but I have all this other stuff, right, you know? And so while we're on the phone, he, uh, this person um, went to my website while we're talking on the phone, and they saw the What is your website, by, by the way? I don't want to get that to get lost. Sure, it's www.trocolitm.com. So www.trocolitm.com. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, and so he saw all this other stuff. And, um, you know, from and I think their their plans for a lot of the box had changed at that point, you know, right. And uh, and but but however, they had been working on the box set all, you know, for some time from from when I gathered. So and this was in this was in the beginning of March. So I had like one day to pack up everything I had from the Appetite Era and from the Lives Era and, and send it to them via UPS, hmm. you know, right? And, um, and, you know, they paid for that and everything. But, you know, I was very nervous, of course, because the UPS insurance only goes so high. Um, and I have items that are, that are worth quite a lot of money. Um, and, but, you know, but I was like, you know what, man, fuck it. Uh, you know, why not, right? You know, so, so I sent it all down there. And, um, and, you know, I guess, you know, they have a team of people that were, you know, scanning things and, and going through this left and right. And, you know, I, I also sent them, you know, demo tapes that I have. Um, now, I've been told by them that they have the all the original reels. So I'm, I'm assuming that maybe they wanted the demo tapes just, like, for pictures for, for like, you know, like a memorabilia kind of thing, not for the actual songs themselves, because they claim to have all that, you know? Hmm. Now, why anything pre-1986 was not on this box set, I don't know. We can get into that in a moment. But... um. So anyway, I sent them everything I had. Um, they, they, according to the, the contacts that I had, they arranged times for the for management and the band to come check everything out, you know. Um, and then, uh, you know, about a, it was about maybe, I don't know, second week of April um, that they sent everything back by UPS as well. And, and again, they paid for that, and everything came back in, you know, the same condition I lent it in. Uh, you know, and... You know, and now, yes, that's, you know, if you look at what I posted on Facebook, right, I didn't, in, the guy who uh, who reached out to me, he's like, yeah, maybe you can ask him and get paid for this too, you know. 
I didn't ask for money from the band because, like, to me, I mean, I respect everyone's opinion, right? But to me, that's kind of a dick move, considering this is, like, their stuff, really, right? You know, that I just collected, right? Um, but in fairness to them, they have offered me uh, various things, you know? And so, so believe me, at the, like, at the very least, I can tell you I'm getting a copy of the Locked and Loaded box set. So At the very the least, price, yeah, which is expensive. Right. <laughs> exactly right. So... So you know, I'm, I'm happy for that, and um, and and other things that I'd rather not get into right now. But you know, because you know, I, I've seen a lot of people. Oh, you know, you should get paid for this and then on the bands being jerks. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think they are, at least in my opinion, <laughs> anyway. But that's just me. You know? Well, it sounds like but you're I'm, you're you're a tried and true fan. I just. It's like Art can probably relate to this because, uh, you know, he's a, a big baseball fan like I am. It's like if somebody hits a monumental home run, you know, I'm just using – I mean, I, I know now he's a fraud now, but Barry Bonds when he hits home run number 73, right? And, you know, you could either sell that or you can give that to Cooperstown. And some people want to sell it. Some people are like, you know what, this is this is a big deal. Or like when somebody gets their right. first home run ever. You know, you throw it back on the field, you, you give it to the guy. You're not going to sell it to him. So I think that says sure. a lot about you as a person. All right, you know. Oh, well, thank you very much, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, so and from looking at the box that, uh, you know, the contents that they finally revealed and everything, um, you know, I could already see items that were used in mine. And I don't know if you know, they, they threw like this um, box set release party or whatever, you know, a couple of nights ago, Friday night. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, like, images and videos from that party. And so you can see, like, one or two pages from the book that's coming out, right? And then I can see a lot of my stuff in there as well. That's trippy. So it looks like they, they used a lot of it, which is great, you know? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I of course, I hope they'll do the same thing with the Usual Illusion records. Um, you know, we'll see. Right. But at least we got this. You know what I mean? I'm I'm happy as a fan just to get, the, you know, a lot of this stuff. Like you said, the plague and the uh, new work tune, whatever that ends up to be, I'm just excited about that right there. You know, so. You're forever tied to it. I think that's amazing. So it, it means something special to you uh, more so than anybody else, I think, because you are tied to it somehow. And you're just, you're a fan. It's not like this is Dell James' personal stuff. This is your personal stuff. So you have this very cool forever, for however long you live, this is a story you could tell. You have a tie to Guns N' Roses. Now, all that being said, uh, the price is just a lot. <laughs> I know there are different increments of price. And, you know, I, I put a lot of questions out there on, on Facebook and on, on, on Twitter. You know, are you, are you going to get it? And a lot of people were like, well, maybe not this, the lesser price. No way. They've gone the KISS route. Now, for me, you know, uh, people might not understand, I work in radio. That doesn't mean Howard Stern money. Only Howard Stern gets Howard Stern money. That's it. So I, I, maybe I can ask for this for like the next, over the next five Hanukkahs, that I can maybe do it in installments with my mom or something. Uh, but, you know, and I, I got um, Shadow of Your Love on Spotify. But it's just a lot of money, and I th- and a lot of fans feel like they're they're priced out of something really special and unique in art. I know you have a lot of opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not really against the pricing to be honest with you because it's a free market. They can pretty much price whatever they want. I mean, there's, 
I've already talked to fans who are, there's no question they're buying this because they're so obsessed. I mean, there's guys like Tim, the, Tim knows this, the black market kind of memorabilia community in GNR. I know a few guys and Brando, I know I've talked to you about some of these guys. They will pay thousands of dollars for things that you and I, um, quote unquote, normal people think is absolutely fucking insane. Like I know this one fan who I'm not even, this is, um, this is like, I guess this is off the record, but I don't really give a shit. I'm going to say it anyway. He spent like $2,000 on um, a vinyl that was autographed by Axel. And all it was was like a note from Axel. And not only did he spend thousands on the vinyl that was autographed by Axel with this note that I can't say what the note says, but he actually hired a um, handwriting expert to verify if that was actually Axel's handwriting based on diaries and other cool documents he has of Axl Rose's handwriting. So the fans are absolutely fucking crazy when they get to this like weird obsessive, they'll, they'll collect anything. They'll pay a thousand dollars. They'll pay $10,000. My only question is what I'm finding very interesting that I think no one is really talking about is, so they dropped the lyric video a couple days ago, right? Mm -hmm. So it has 700,000 views on YouTube, which like, and I, and I do this all the time. I look at when like pop stars or rock bands drop videos. So on is that YouTube a good number or a bad number? No, well, I mean, on, on average, like when a when a big time like video like Cardi video B, drops, it gets, like something it like gets that, three, it'll get like three million views in like two days. I'm hmm. um, a big one, like a big like child, like the new childish childish Gambino video mm -hmm. got three million views in like 24 hours. Obviously, it's child, childish Gambino, it's writing the whole social justice garbage, so it's going to get a lot of views. <laughs> sure, um, it's gonna, you know, like everyone's going to watch it and feel like they're like being part of some like activist campaign, but. Um, it's interesting to me that that was sort of fast. Do you guys know how many views the or listens or listens Shadow of Your Love has on Spotify? Does it say? Uh, it say right. I haven't looked into it yet, and I'm definitely going to report on what the spins on radio uh, will be. I believe it takes a like a week for radio stations to report it. And just so to uh, interject, just really uh, quickly before you continue, Art Constantine may be calling up soon, so maybe we can incorporate all of this with Constantine instead of just stopping the conversation and kind of organically go into it. So whatever you whatever you want to do, Tim, if you want to hang on, you can interview uh, Constantine Maroulis with us. We can call you back after we're done. You know, whatever you want to do. So I just want to let you hang know. Hang on, Tim. I got some questions for you too, man. Come on. Hang on. No, no problem. No, I'll hang on. Yeah, no worries at all. All yeah. right, so th this will be fun. So we're, we're going to incorporate the two episodes. Uh, that That was the initial plan. But as Gene R is, like this podcast is, things don't go according to plan, but this is going to be great. So we're talking about the box set for a while. Constantine is going to – I mean, I'm going to ask about that. It might be one of my first questions. He retweeted, I believe it was uh, the Alternative Nation article about the the banners coming up. And that was before we knew it wasn't going to be a reunion. So I just thought that was interesting. Steven Adler's new singer is getting excited about this too. So incidentally, this is really fucking good for Steven Adler. Like he's doing this show. He's doing a tour based on this album. He's not doing sort of I mean, let's be real. Let's be completely blunt. The, the, the appeal of Adler's band with Constantine is entirely appetite for destruction. So um, this is great for him because this sparks so much more interest in, in, the, in the record. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I do think the one thing that kind of blows my mind is I know they're trying to like. I guess it took a long time to put this together, but I'm wondering why it didn't come, it didn't come out last year. That's the first question. Right. The second question I have, mm -hmm. someone told me that they were going to drop this on the, the day that Appetite reached number one on Billboard, which is not the date they're dropping it on. They're dropping it a few, like, what, 10 days before? Hmm. So I'm wondering why didn't they just drop it on the day Appetite reached number one on Billboard, which just seems like weird timing. And 
So, and I don't know like what their deals with the website or who writes their copy for the website, but like, <laughs> this is, I just think it's really funny, like how they write sort of their like, I don't know, their like marketing um, language. It's all like, they keep using this, like, you know, the, the abbreviation for and with the N and the apostrophe on top of the N. Mm-hmm. They've like, they've abused that to the point of like satire. It's really funny. I and, think that's Axel. Right? Like, Tim, maybe you can testify to this too, because whenever you would read anything from Axel, like when he joined my GNR forum and was Dexter, he likes doing the, the N apostrophe. <laughs> so maybe it's Axel behind the marketing, right? Uh, right. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I personally don't think so. I think it's some kid they hired to do them to do the. Okay. And they got it approved. <laughs> and they got it approved through management or whatever. But I also think it's and they and so anyway, the, the, there's different appetites, right? There's like the smaller. So what I'm gonna get between off the record? I mean, not off the record. We're on the fucking phone. Um, <laughs> what I'm gonna okay, keep saying off. I'm such a horrible journalist. You're so um, used I to saying the thing, that. <laughs> the thing I'm gonna get is the appetite for destruction remaster. That's what I'm gonna get. Okay. Um, just to kind of hear the differences in my car and just to experience. I think that's what most sort of basic fans will probably lean towards. I mm-hmm. think everything else is sort of just like, I guess the, the vinyl, the LP collection is a big deal for some people, but I don't, you know, I, I, most of us who have record players have shitty like speakers for those record players and I could care less. <laughs> what, you know, like I don't, I went to Tom Zutat's house and I listened to a, a brand new virgin copy of Appetite for Destruction on the greatest hi-fi system on the planet Earth. And like, I can't, I can never top that. Like it was better than seeing this is going to offend so many people. It was better than seeing Guns N' Roses live. It was like the most mind-blowing audio experience in my life. So for me, it's like, how do I go from that to listening to shit on my like my Urban Outfitters speakers? <laughs> no, you're right, <laughs> and that, that's such a <laughs> that's such a unique experience. No, you're absolutely right. No one else is going to have that experience, Art, that you had. And you're right. So why is it worth it? And what about is the the actual construction of the box set? You know, the way it, it looks, the, the casing, the drawers, the lithographs, that all looks really cool. But, Art, you said something to me yesterday as we're, we were talking on the phone. Where are you going to put it? You know, for me, I don't. I have a small apartment. Where am I going to put this stuff? Is that going to be my new night table? You know, am I going to— It's huge. But you know what? Again, I don't know how many they've made. Maybe they've only made, like, 10,000 of these. I don't know. There's no—Tim can probably speak to this more on the, the number of, of these they've made. But, again, I, I know fan. Who has an entire floor, okay, in his mansion dedicated to GNR memorabilia? This is an entire floor in an entire house with shit, posters, books, TV, I mean, photos, I mean, the shit, gold records, whatever. Like, he's got every, this will be for those guys, I think. The $1,000 item is for those guys. And how many of those guys are there? I'm saying there's probably like, probably like, I don't know, like five or 600 of those guys, like that, that are that dedicated. And the question is, how many of those guys are going to buy this? And then we talk about like gifts, right? Like Mother's Day is coming up and all that kind of shit. So there's going to be a lot of that happening. But you know, the one, the, the thing that I'm the most, the thing that I'm most interested in as a fan of the lithos. I think that's the most kind of like, I don't know, unseen, brand new kind of shit. The book is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Now that I know Tim is, now that I know fans are contributing to the book, I'm really excited. Which I think, Tim, do you know why they? Are they announcing that fans are contributing, or is this something that you're supposed to like keep secret? Why haven't they announced that fans are part of the book? Well, uh, you know, they they'll. I know they're going to give the credit in the credits. You know what I mean? So my sure. name will be in there awesome. as well. Um, but no, that's a good question because you know it makes me think about. Um, you know, I don't, you guys probably know this already. You know, Metallica, they did like a Kill em All box set or Ride the Lightning box set, Master of Puppets, and they're going to do, you know, for the other albums as well, right? And for those albums, mm-hmm. for those box sets, what they did is 
they they announced to fans, hey man, send us everything you got, recordings, pictures, you know, pictures of your memorabilia, all this other shit. And they took what they liked, and they and so fans contributed to all those box sets, um, you know, for for Metallica. Um, right. I I thought you know it might have been interesting if GNR went the same route, but you know I, I mean not that they have to do. I mean, one thing you gotta respect about GNR, some even though it can be frustrating at times, like hey man, they do things their way, and that's fucking it. And you know, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean, and, and that's fine. And I'm not saying Metallica's right just because they're Metallica, or this band's right just because they're that band. And so they went a different route on this. Um, and quite frankly, I, I don't know if they would have even asked if it, if it had never been for that one item that I bought, you know. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I think people are, are interested in the memorabilia side of things as well. I think people are more, more interested in the music side of things, and rightfully so. And I'm, I'm glad to see a lot of that stuff on there. I, I, I did wonder why, well, you know, how come nothing pre-1986? I know they have this stuff for, for sure, you know what I mean? Sure, um, yeah. How come, how come there's, no, um, there's no live shows? Now, I don't know what was recorded back then. Now, I know why there's no pre-Appetite live shows. I mean, Mark has all that, and, you know, that's another story entirely. But um, I know for a fact, like you guys remember, you know, someone released on YouTube, it was the um, Ritz 1987 show, right, you know? But it wasn't the full show, right? You know, it was still awesome to see it, right? But I know right. for sure they have the they full Ritz 1987 show, you know? That would have been nice to have on here. Um, but So I, I asked them a couple of questions, and they said that they hinted at possible future releases. I can't guarantee anything, but they hinted at that. So we, hopefully we can look forward to that. Um, There's a lot of stuff to look forward to, and I think that's really exciting. And I will say this before we get to Constantine, who is on the line with us now, because I thought this was a, yeah. a funny. <laughs> Thanks, Constantine. Uh, I thought this was a, a funny comment on Facebook. Uh, Sandy Johnson said, because uh, you mentioned like gifts, Mother's Day, whatever. I wasn't gonna, going to, of course, referring to the box set, but my husband said I should. He didn't have to tell me twice. So that's a good husband right there. So that's very cool. So uh, on the phone, and maybe he has an opinion as well, uh, Constantine Maroulis, uh, the, the new lead singer of Adler's Appetite. Uh, I've been following his career since American Idol, you know, uh, Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, he's a Broadway star now. Uh, Rock of Ages. I mean, he's just been some killing it. So uh, welcome to Appetite for Distortion, Constantine. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure. Pleasure. We were also uh, – thank you for uh, – it's, it's, uh, it is a pleasure. Where are you calling from, by the way, if you don't mind me asking? I am calling from the, uh, the uh, Sportsman's Lodge on Ventura Boulevard here in Los Angeles, California, Studio City. I love this place. It's very Don Draper, um, kind of like, you know, 40s old Hollywood. Um, you know, before Stephen had a house up in the hills and all of those – houses up in the hills that they built here in Studio City in like the 70s, um, people used to hunt up there. And it was all hunting, and they were hunting, you know, deer and mountain lions and, and shit like that. And they, um, this was truly, you can look it up, um, a place, it was like a gentleman's lodge. They would keep, you know, their mistresses here and whatnot. There's a sexy pool kind of a la, you know, the Hollywood Roosevelt. But people used to come and like, cure their meat here and, you know, clean all their, their game and whatever, you know, doing hunting shit. I've never hunted in my life, but so it's still called the sportsman's lodge and they, they renovated it all up recently. And it's pretty cool, man. It's like 
kind of a throwback masculine kind of Hollywood spot to it's not Hollywood, but you know, LA place to stay and there's palm trees and it's cool. We're out here working hard. We're, um, we sound fucking good. I'm very excited. Um, Steven's just a doll and, uh, just a, just an incredible, you know, obviously an incredible artist, but just a great guy. And the whole experience so far has been, been, been dope. You know? I mean, I've been getting excited because I, I follow Steven on, on Facebook and Instagram. So he was doing a lot of those live videos. And even when I interviewed um, uh, Alex Grassi a while ago and Chips Enough, they, they knew who the band was, but they didn't. They wouldn't tell me. I, I kept forgetting to tell them off the air because I got so engrossed in, in their story. And I'm like, you know, let me find yeah. out like it with everybody else. That's fine. And oh, and before well, I, kind of fun of, yeah. Oh, yeah. Be, and even before I get into it, just so you know who you're, you know, dealing with, because I like to start my episodes awkward, my interviews awkward. I'm just, hey, Constantine. I know you're you're a Greek dude from New Jersey. I'm an awkward Jew from Long Island. So that's 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 I my, like that. That's I my like deal. That. So uh, also we're in like California. Yes, a little bit. And we're also uh, on the phone with somebody who is in California with you. I don't know how far away uh, you are. Art Tavana, who is a, a journalist uh, who currently writes for, for Playboy, and he's working on a Guns N' Roses book. And uh, also, and also uh, Tim uh, Tricoli. See, I still have to say Spicoli in my head, so that's how I'm getting it right. Uh, Tricoli, who actually is a fan who contributed to the Guns N' Roses box set. So we were talking about this new box set um, up until you know we're talking to you. And following you now on Twitter, I thought it was really cool that you uh, retweeted um, when we all – we didn't know what it was yet. We we saw the banners, and it seemed like you were getting really excited. I think you retweeted it with sure. a, bu- with mean, a bunch of emojis. Sure. I mean, I'm a fan also. And, yeah. You know, I think anything to get people excited about – buying music again is pretty cool. Um, certainly from, you know, greatest American rock band of all time. Um, and, you know, little goodies for the fans. The packaging looks pretty fucking awesome. Um, hey, I mean, I'm going to buy it. I I still have uh, my CDs and I uh, I enjoy it, it, It's funny learning, <laughs> learning all the catalog here for this experience. I found it easier to to put the CD, my, my car has a CD player. I found it easier to, to pop the CDs in than sit there, you know, connect the Bluetooth, True. Oh, switch the channel on the my music on my foreign car and kind <laughs> of move that around. And then, oh, oh, you know, I got to listen to that commercial or I have to download all these. Just pop it in and play. You, you know, know right. like, learn every fucking song. And that's basically what I've done. And I found it easier, and and I hope in a way, yeah. Again, it'll 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 sort of get people back into kind of buying music again and supporting, you know, great art. And and why not? You know, they're on this great tour. You know, everyone's responded wonderfully. I got to see it in the beginning when it came through um, Giant Stadium, maybe in the early like, and maybe two years ago. It was, it was an awesome show, and just to see you know, Slash and Duff up there again. But, you know, Steven is obviously missing from the equation. It should definitely be there. He's playing his ass off. He's healthy. He, he's, he sounds amazing. I mean, his his playing defined their entire sound. You know, his his composition, like behind the drums, defined the entire swag of that of the of the sound of Guns N' Roses and that Sunset Strip kind of Hollywood jangly like just 
tribal like thing shuffling around back there and you know the kiss influence and you know he 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 really made those songs hit songs i love the opportunity to be here you know to to rock with him of course and sing great songs since you're a guns and roses fan i guess first and then now you're a bandmate of steven adler i mean maybe not like you guys are (laughs) you know like you know i mean of course (laughs) <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm a big fan, of course. It's Guns and fucking Roses. I mean, it's, you know, I, I was in middle school. That shit came out, and it definitely changed my my whole perspective of, you know, hard rock and roll and how, it, you know, it could be, like, popular also. And, you know, and then shortly after Nirvana and all that. So, uh so for sure, but I don't know every song and every you know producer on every track and <laughs> the rarities and not you know, um, you know I hadn't heard a lot of Reckless before and things like that you know so um, I guess I was more into like the hits. Okay. They're all hits, but you know what I mean. Sure. Then to, to, to backtrack a little bit because um, every guest that we have on, whether it's a co-host that we have or a guest like you that we're interviewing, it's kind of like where were you in the bracket of Guns N' Roses? And that's how I look at myself as a fan. Like why am I going to do a podcast about G&R? Why would I think that would work? I just feel like they're a unique spot in, in music history where – it doesn't matter if you are the hardcore fan who knows all the B-sides or if you're a sorority girl who just knows Paradise City and Sweet Child Mind. You know who Axl Rose is. You know who Slash is. So when you were in oh. middle school in, in New Jersey, I assume, correct? At that time, yeah. I was born in Brooklyn. Oh, where in Brooklyn? In New Jersey. Where in Brooklyn? Um, I'm really born in Park Slope, but barn, but we, um, my whole family's from Bay Ridge, from Shore Road. Okay. And, and then um, – because my family's you know, from there, too. My, I'm, yeah, my, uh, oh, cool. East Flatbush and Mill Basin. So I don't know. I feel like that makes us closer. That's how I, I tell myself. For sure. Like I said, <laughs> same company, different division. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Like they, Sebastian Maniscalco. I stole that from him. He's like. Oh, he's a funny dude. He tells this joke about um, being like so Italian and, you know, from Chicago. And he's dating this Jewish girl. And he's like, we'll go over there for the Passover. You know, he's just. And he's like, and they're reading. They're, they're handing out reading materials. I'm starving. I'm Italian. <laughs> I know. The, I know the bit you're talking about. Yeah, so, um, anyway, um, yeah, man. You know, um, where was I? I was, yeah, definitely middle school. I remember. You know, I was still definitely into the MTV, and I just think like the videos, along with the songs, the impact that they had on me was just. You know, and Axel was fucking just leapt out the screen on you, you know? I mean, he was such a star, and, you know, this pint-sized, uh, you know, fucking full, just full of piss and vinegar, you know? And and that voice and, and you know, the moves and, and the lyrics and, you know, just all the, um, the sort of angst, and but in, like, with popular catchy songs and, you know, slash everything, you know, all the iconery, every, it's like everything they did was right. Even though it all seems like a big accident, but everything was just right. You know, the, the whole attitude or us against the world shit was, was great, you know? And for sure. I mean, I remember the anticipation for, you know, use your illusion and, it being built into the movie and being so fascinated with that kind of stuff at the time. And, 
um, you know, with, with the big with the big hit off, off you know, with, with uh, You Could Be Mine. And, of course, Steven wrote on that one, too, and played on all the demos. Didn't, I guess it didn't play on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, that right. did. But oddly enough, I'm, you know, friends with two from something else from years ago. And, you know, look, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm a pro. I'm going to come in there. I'm going to deliver. You know, I, I recognize how lucky I am to sing this great catalog. But I think there's a lot of potential here. We're going to go um, fulfill these dates in Australia and New Zealand. We're playing the Ride for Ronnie uh, concert, uh, you know, for cancer awareness today with a bunch of, uh, now I know with classes going to be posted and all that, but, you know, Eddie Trunk is hosting that and there's some great people playing today and we don't have our, our Australia lineup all intact today. Um, Sean McNabb is out with Lynch Mob uh, doing some East Coast dates and then, then we're getting ready for... Um, this week at the Whiskey, a sort of a warm-up show for Australia. It's been a sold-out show. The fans are all excited. The night before, we're going to do a little uh, friends and family thing there. So if you know somebody, maybe you can get in. Well, <laughs> since it, since you announced that, uh, Art, can you announce that you are going to be attending that? Um, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, 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 can I ask you know, a question? So, yeah. Here, man, please, you guys speak, um, the, man. The, the, the weirdest this is the most bizarre question, but like Sweet. when I see people like, you know, Miles Kennedy did some of those GNR songs and it's so challenging. Right. But like the visual and the attitude and the presence Axel brought to those songs, besides the voice, I'm mean, you've got that covered. Obviously, you're a great singer, phenomenal singer. But um, when well, it comes you. to sort of that presentation of, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to go out there and try to like dress like you're not going to wear assless chaps and a bandana. I know you're not going to do that. But like, what is your like? Your mindset. Damn it, now I can't do that. <laughs> I just can't. I simply can't do that. I was going to pull out the spandex shorts today. You should. And just with flannel around my ass there. but uh, <laughs> Not anymore. Um, is that, I'm grief. So I don't want to offend anyone. Do you think... Do you like think about that? Like what you're going to wear? Is that funny or weird? Like, is it like... Because if I was going to no, do man, that... No, man, I'm a performer. Like, Look, actually, you guys what know, I mean... Dude, it's the whole package, you know. I, I grew up as a performer. I, I have an eye for design. I, you know, I grew up on a Broadway stage, you know, from the back of the house to the front of the house. You know, I was fascinated with every job and, you know, every element of the sh- what makes a show successful, not just the leads, but all of the design elements, all the production. So, of course, everything is taken into consideration. And, like, you know... Um, even Nirvana with their, like, come as you are, like, we don't care, we just dress like this, but, like, they obviously, you know, it was a thing, you know, everyone's sure. conscious <laughs> of that, and for sure, I'm going to celebrate, um, you know, uh, I'm going to celebrate, like, how great Axel is and was um, in this era, but, yeah, maybe sort of, you know, a little, there's some, you know, maybe some moves, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm a performer. It's not about going out there because, you know, I'm fucking six foot three and like, you know, 180 pounds. Like he's, I know you're that big size. Yeah. I'm a big guy. And, uh, you know, so, um, and, uh, you know, like, I'm not going to go like, you know, fucking squeezing into, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, we're just different. I'm not going to be running around the stage. Like, he would do, you know, doing sprints left and right across the front of the stage. And, you know, I just, I feel like 
you know, I'm a performer. We're going to perform these songs. We're going to celebrate the spirit of them and how they first came out. And yeah, I think um, it can be daunting, but um, you know, to be honest, I, I've sung in some fun tribute acts um, on the East coast where that's really a big deal. Um, and when they write me a big check, I really like to show up even more. Um, um, so like, you know, we've had fun playing the, these hits for many years. And I don't think it's ever about like imitating them. But, you know, of course, you're going to see a little bit of the Axel Snake move here and there. Nice. Sure. Yeah. And he can oh, call yeah, me. Man, he yeah. can call me if he has a problem with that. <laughs> I don't know if he has that copyrighted just yet. And that, <laughs> that's funny. It leads into because we got some uh, uh, some questions for you, uh, Constantine, when we announced it. Let's go. Uh, one, I will, will just, it's not a question. It was more of a comment, this first one. It's from Greece, actually. Uh, and Connie Great. said, uh, I mean, maybe you know this, that Marulis means lettuce man in Greek. <laughs> no, well, it means lettuce. Okay. Maruli, Maruli is. It, it, it's not so. It's just, yeah. It's like lettuce, or it could be endive. It could be like radicchio. It could be any of those. Like if you look on a really Greek menu, food menu, it says like maruli, and that's like what you can pick for your you know salad, basically. Okay, but it means you're right. So I All guess right. with, with an S, it might mean, you know, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a salad man <laughs> or a lettuce man. <laughs> so, uh, Connie from Greece, uh, I, I, I said it, so <laughs> you're welcome. Andina, probably, yeah. And uh, he says uh, he wishes you all the best also. But uh, Carly has a, qu- a good question. So as we're talking about this, prior to, of course, you're rehearsing, and this is what I was saying bef- uh, going to say before, I've been watching Stephen's uh, Instagram and, and watching the rehearsals, and this was before – it was revealed through uh, detective work by those crazy GNR fans. They're like, let's compare the shoes because they would only show the bottom part of whoever's it's singing. It's got to be the shoes. It's got to be the shoes. <laughs> uh, the shoes. And I guess someone that was watching also your Instagram and they yeah. were doing some sleuthing. And then that's maybe because I was told that we weren't going to know until you hit the stage and, and, and whisk, uh, the Whiskey A Go. Right, right. They, you know, there was all that. But, you know, again, man, it's, you know, look, yeah. Uh, it's it's awesome this you know trying to keep something secret or whatever and but again with social media now it's you know you want to put little tidbits out there and and again uh, I, I'm not someone billions and zillions of fans but I think pretty much everyone knows who I am and you know I wish geez I wish all the social stuff was around when I was on American Idol but mm. no, I digress um, you know and <laughs> and I think you wanna you wanna you wanna feed you know people's excitement and even you know, on a small level of like, you know, my followers or something like that. So it's, I feel like, you know, yeah, you want to give people something to talk about. And I didn't think it was ever going to last to whiskey, but, um, you know, um, and there was, look, this wasn't a slam dunk, easy thing right from the beginning. You know, um, I'm going to be totally honest. You know, I think they were wondering if I could handle it. And, you know, I was wondering if, you know, what kind of condition, you know, this situation was in for me to come in. And of course I live in New York. I have a daughter in school there. I travel a lot with Mm. work, but you know, so it wasn't like, it wasn't just, you know, you know, from the very beginning. So you didn't know like all the stars were going to align, even though you wanted to do it. Exactly. It seemed like a great idea. I definitely was in the market for like a heritage act type of thing to front, for, you know, maybe a third of my year to 
um, you know, I can do a play over the summer, do some TV work, tour with some of my stuff, and then go pick up, you know, 25 shows with Foreigner or one of those kind of bands. Like, you know, I know they have a great <laughs> singer, but, you know, just for example, I was sort of at a place thinking about those kinds of things for the first time, really. And this honestly dropped in my lap. I have to shout out James Durbin, who's a fucking awesome singer from American Idol a few years after me. And we got with Quiet Riot and Daughtry. He's in Quiet Riot now. Um, If you remember um, the American Idol, excuse me, American Idol series finale at Fox, I guess, you know, before they started at ABC last year or the year before, I guess it was the finale. Mm-hmm. We did a big rockers sort of number. So uh, Dodge and, and James and Bo Bice and Caleb, Caleb uh, Johnson and some guys got to work together and we got all really close. And it was a good brotherhood of rock of American Idol, <laughs> about, as, about as rock as you could get for American Idol. And, sure, uh, sure. and uh, I guess the new kid could join in that little click on the show playing guitar arcade. And, um, so James actually called Alex or, or spoke to Alex, the agent. Classic. And then, um, and then, yeah. And then they brought in, uh, the managers had the talk and they go back anyhow, Jason and, and Jamie, uh-huh. um, my manager and, and Jamie Adler. And, um, it just kind of came together, man. You know, oh, wow. uh, the okay. Australia thing was like, let's get, let's go do this. And I think the promoters there were really psyched, and now buyers here are really psyched. So let's see. Let's see what happens. I mean, I think there's potential for us to play a lot of shows together um, and maybe, you know, even furthering the super group by adding different members along the way of other famous bands and really kind of making it a fun thing like that, you know, Um I think that's that's something the fans would really dig into and not just maybe playing, you know, GNR, but writing songs and and uh, and touring, you know. Oh, that's awesome. You know, can I ask you a question? Um, you know, this is Tim. Uh, hey, man, I want to ask you, you know, are, are you guys um, are you, do you have any originals planned to, to play? And, and, and even if you don't, are you going to play any uh, Adler's Appetite songs? Yeah, we're going to do um, some Adler's Appetite um and uh, there's one song I'm really psyched about, Good to Be Bad. It sounds like amazing live. And um, I think it's a, it's a great live song. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> We're going to actually play that today at uh, Ronnie with uh, Tanya um, from D. Snyder's band and lots of bands on bass. Beautiful, striking Irish woman uh, on bass guitar. I forget her last name. It's like... Flannery or something like that. But Tanya, the hot, <laughs> dready bass player from D. Snyder's band, is sitting in with us. Carl, uh, where's Carl? I always do that for him. Carl. 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 <laughs> um, Walking Dead sucks now. What the fuck? Yes. I am with oh, you, man. Oh, my God. What happened to that show, man? It's... That turned into, like, Dexter by season four. Wow, man. I'm I'm with you completely on both of those, Dexter right? and Walking Dead. What happened? What happened? It's turned into a soap opera. It's like I want the zombies, and it's Fire all like, all it's... the writers. I don't understand. Well, I guess you know. Look, they have a formula um, on Walking Dead that just works, and that's why a zillion people watch it. They they do the same season every season now, basically. You know, they just 
You're you know, right. they find an enemy, you know, they fight with them all year. There's two sides and then there's a big war and somehow Rick escapes. <laughs> you know, it's like terrible hairpiece. But, um, you know, yeah, now that I've shit on the biggest show in the world, um, I'd like to be on it still. I'd really like a job as an actor on it. Hey, um, yeah, Scott Ian was a zombie on it. What's that? Oh, Scott Ian? Yeah, he was a zombie right. on it once. Right. He was also a former guest oh, on the show. Oh, a zombie yeah. Zombie. Okay, I want like a, you know a guest lead slash series regular. Oh, it'll be like the love interest of Maggie or something. Yeah, and like maybe compose songs for them. You know, original songs. So that's fine. Do it. No, but it's something about it. I just don't know what happened there. But, uh, <laughs> I'm with you, man. Totally. And, and Fear the Walking Dead. I I got into season one, and then I just right away I was like, dude, no, the same, two. the same thing with me. It, <sighs> I hate every character. <laughs> it's so terrible. I love you know. I that, just did my first um, like fan fest. Um, it's called Chiller in New Jersey. Sure, like those like those horror fests. For, yeah, or was that something yeah, like, else? Way, like before, they all birth, were birthed in in Jersey, like trauma world of stuff. And yeah, comic book and you know, I used to go to big baseball card shows and awesome. all that kind of like fan convention signing stuff. All really started with that, and then and the horror. There always used to be the horror film ones, and Chiller's been one that's just been around forever. And I I went a few years ago to like just go with my buddy and his kid, and I wanted to see the Jesus Christ Superstar cast from the original film because hmm. they do like these weird reunions like that. And uh, and I was getting mobbed there. And they're like, dude, you need a table. <laughs> so sure enough, like I finally was available, and Dee Snyder did this one, and there's some great people. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, so there's like kids from The Walking Dead there, like um, Roger, uh, the old guy from what, like season one, wasn't it? Was it uh, Roger or Dale? N- no, the um, the old man, the farmer, the, the the veterinarian who they like, they cut off his head. Uh, okay. Oh yeah, yep, maybe. The old guy, old guy with the white hair and the white beard. Oh, uh, wait. Oh, Rick's like Maggie's best dad. Friend there, Maggie? Maggie's dad. Oh, um, oh my god, Isn't it Roger. No, it was uh, I thought it was with a W. Was it Walter or something? I don't know. I'm Walter. Gonna... I'll, I'll look it up. This actually is funny, and I know Art would appreciate this because he's a big uh, wrestling fan like I am. Uh, Herschel. You, Herschel, yes. I said Walker, so I was thinking uh, Herschel Walker. <laughs> that's, that's it, Herschel Walker. That's where my brain was going. But it's so cool that you go there as a fan, and you're getting all this attention, and you're given, you know, you should get a table. And I'm thinking the entire time with Virgil, the, the wrestler that used to be with Ted DiBiase, who would just oh, yeah. sh- show up at these wrestling events and just Beg people to like for autographs, and you, there are so many pictures of him online, uh, online, just sitting at an empty table, just waiting for people to come up to him. So the complete opposite. So that's a. Uh... Oh well, okay. This is the this is this is the thing, though. I have to say, Chiller's super busy, right? Super mm-hmm. busy, and depending on where it is at these um these conventions, like this was at a newer hotel for them. They had never really done it there. So they were like these long hallways with these like concerts and people would just kind of come in and out and so-and-so's in here. And so, so there was constantly traffic, but you could have probably caught a picture or two of me sitting behind the table when no one was there. And it looked like I was a fucking loser also. Uh, so, well, all right. Fair you know, enough. it's all about like, you know, he was probably, cause believe me, Virgil would go over big at this thing. 
And, you know, sometimes it's just there's a little lull. Sometimes people are, like, hitting, you know, the food. It's, it's lunchtime, you know. So Fair enough. everyone is always quick to, like, you know, shit on people and be like, loser. You know, it's terrible. I remember one time right off American Idol, um, I, was, I was always getting these crazy offers for stuff. I remember some casino in, in literally, um, like, Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the middle of the winter. And I remember um, it wasn't right after Idol, but a, a couple of years after, because I think I was doing the Wedding Singer at the time. The Giants were in there in the first Super Bowl that year of the of the two, the 2007-ish, I guess, right? Sure. So um, right after the NFC like championship game, I remember in um, in Green Bay, I flew out with my buddy. Some casino offered me 15 grand just to fly in two first class tickets or business class, whatever it was, you know, two nights at the casino. And they just wanted me to, uh, you know, um, make an appearance and, uh, and, and pull bingo numbers on one, on one, uh, one day. <laughs> and I was like, done. done. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I was like, I'll be there. You know what? It sounds like a lot of work, but I'll be there. Um, totally kidding. And uh, so I went, and then, of course, the day I'm pulling the bingo, a gigantic woman in a walker, and I don't mean, like, she was, she was, she was a large, she was a large lad. Voluptuous. Um, I like, I like a big woman, believe me. But she had a walker. And uh, not only did she have a walker, but she was walking past me, um, pulling the numbers of the bingo um, so slowly. She was, she was large and in like a, like a nightgown, basically. And she had a, Hot. they were giving away free pa- uh, uh, tater tots. Of course, it was <laughs> Wisconsin. So she had a, a, a cafeteria tray that she was balancing on the walker with a mound of tater tots on there like you've never seen. Life goals. And she's walking about one mile an hour past my table as I'm pulling it, and someone films just that 10-second clip, <laughs> and it ended up like on TMZ, and it's like, wow, Consti Marula is pulling bingo numbers in Green Bay. I'm like, that's cool. I got 15 Gs to fucking pull those bingo numbers. Uh, nice, man. And got drunk with my friend and ate tater tots. Fair enough. So, that, you know, that's like, hilarious. Okay. It, you know, people want to just like crush you all the time and fuck it. Let them. No, I hear you. I mean, I don't want to be. I, I wasn't. There's like a Virgil, whole webpage to it. Legend, okay? I know. Legend. He's a person. I apologize to Virgil. If, if he has any Guns N' Roses ties, he's welcome on the show. I, I, Art and I, I think last episode you were on, we made a Ted DiBiase reference. So this is the second time. It's, it's too funny. Oh, Ted DiBiase, not, uh, not, not, um, not his best of days, I think, right now he's going through, you know? No. What I, I've seen and heard and read. Well, you never know what he's going through, Constantine. Isn't that what we just learned? That's true. <laughs> and he's like some, he's like an evangelical preacher or something. Is that what happened? Moment. Yeah, I think he, he had a good run. Like, he had a good run. That's too funny. I preferred him yeah, on cocaine, pretending to be like Donald Trump. That was way better. <laughs> the carnage <laughs> in his path of just of females is, I'm sure, unreal. Yeah. Um, his poor <laughs> wife. <laughs> I mean, he had a servant. He had a servant named Virgil. So that's if you have a servant following you around with your, with your diamond encrusted belt, you have a lot of women. 
Oh, my God. Two that is so what? funny. You know what's so funny? This whole time you were talking about Virgil, mm-hmm. I was thinking um, in my head, of course, now I, I see Virgil in my head, but um, I, I was seeing, uh, who's the other guy? Um, IRS? No. Um, oh, my God. He had, like, the crazy eyes, and he was in, wasn't he in Friday or something like that? Uh, you're talking about Zeus. Oh, Debo. Zeus, Zeus. Yeah. When you were talking about Virgil, I was seeing Zeus in my head. <laughs> I know Virgil. Oh. I know Virgil. He's, Virgil's more handsome. Virgil's just more handsome. What it comes yeah. And, yeah. And ironically, Zeus is uh, bigger. Yeah. Well, he was. Uh, he wrestled Hulk Dude, Hogan. There's a great call in on uh, Howard Stern when uh, it's Sal and Richard. Do you ever listen to them? Not in years, but sure. I know you're talking. Oh about. my God! Are you kidding me? It's still the greatest. They do crank calls like nobody else, but you have to Google this one. They they know how to like just bomb an indie radio station phone calls. Like they just they, they'll they'll book up every every line. They know how to do it for some reason. They just have a you know, so they'll hang up on them and then the guy he'll be the next guy also. It's unreal. So they call indie ra- uh, wrestling show. And he's like, Ted DiBiase and Big John Studd and Runaway Jim, Hillbilly Jim, whatever. And he's all he's doing is listing hundreds of wrestlers. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, they keep trying to get in a word edgewise. And he's like, he's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ricky San Martino and, uh, you know, just naming every wrestler. And it's just this, this, it's, it's hilarious for some reason. Cause the guys are like, are you just naming wrestlers? That's it. That's the entire conversation. That's too The whole hard. bit is him just naming all these wrestlers. It's, it's fucking hilarious. But anyway, that's funny. Shout out to Howard. It, well, it ties all in right, more about guns and roses. Oh yeah. And we're going to tie that yeah. in. But I do want to uh, mention because uh, what I do listen to the radio show on YouTube now is your buddy Craig Carton and he's a, a oh good he's a radio you know hero of mine I know he's going through some stuff now but as far as like his personality and, and how he conducts himself and a broadcaster like he's someone I try to model myself after and I mean look up he's to. the best there's just there, the, 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 you know the show is terrible without him terrible. I, I haven't listened to it since I, 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 I no, tried I, 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 you know I still love Al Dukes and you know those guys but um you know, Craig, uh, yeah, definitely going through it. Um, I feel very optimistic for him and his family, though. Um, I feel like, you know, all the information is just not out there, and everyone sort of, you know, made their, you know, decisions on it uh, without really of, knowing right. the court of public what the hell is happening. Sure, and that, that's, that's the, the pivot, too, because a lot of that is with, with Stephen. You know, people have their opinion on him, and now – I'm glad he's now uh, out there, especially doing these Facebook Lives, these Instagram Lives, and people are like, he looks healthy. He looks good. And we were hearing that from other people. I'd hear that from Chips Enough, hear that from Alex Grassi, but their words weren't enough. People had to see it. And especially when he came out on those couple of shows and not in his lifetime, people seeing him. And because what all we knew before was, uh, you know, with, with Dr. Drew, you know, things of, of that nature. So it's just. It's yeah, so, I, didn't, I don't I didn't watch any of that stuff. So I don't know. Like, I know that it was hard to watch. He was on some show. Well, you know what, man? The thing is with Steven, he's far smarter than anyone even realizes. I mean, he basically grew up here in Hollywood. He's a performer. You know, he you know, he. Uh, I think he might have been playing more of a character than you 
might realize on a show like that, hmm. you know. So Possible. that's what we all kind of do. And, you know, you play into it. The cameras are in your face. And you're that's hilarious. Half the time. I like so it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. do believe me, man, you know. And, and um, I think some really good things came out of that experience for him. And uh, it's funny. Wouldn't you love seeing Steven on, like, Dancing with the Stars. Or like <laughs> yes, I would. Oh that would be great. <laughs> that would be huge. Um, or maybe like a fun reality show with us, um, you know, and this whole experience. They used uh, to so have those. surprise if you do see something like that because wow. the dynamic is definitely funny. Um, you know, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He calls me like Casanova and, you know, <laughs> I'm like his little brother that he's always like, giving orders and like you know like yesterday he's like go home learn the songs i'm like i know that he's like keep listening to them over and over and over and over again (laughs) that's a good impression you need to just play them now too you know so um you know, you get you, sometimes you you kind of burn out on uh, on on rehearsal, you know, or or just or just you know learning, and you just need to you just need to play them, you know, make some mistakes even, and 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 um, and just play them, you know. The, well, so. this this lends itself to another question I I I uh, kind of glossed over before. This is from the fan Carly, who I mentioned. So before this new venture with Adler's Appetite, had you performed GNR covers before, whether, you know, at karaoke or on, on a stage? <laughs> and, and also, what, what, what is the hardest GNR song to sing live and why? Hmm. You know, um, yes, uh, definitely not a karaoke. You're paying me a lot of money. <laughs> um, but I um, definitely performed the songs live um from from forever ago i mean and probably in any band i'd ever been in you know there was eventually you're playing sweet child of mine you know um and uh you know i remember even getting up with steel panther back in the day probably playing you know a couple of the hits and with uh jesse's girl and uh you know, Rubik's Cube in New York, they're like huge tribute acts that play in front of like thousands of people. Um, definitely have done some uh, some GNR. In fact, they, they kind of go all out. Like the guitarists will like put on the slash wig hmm. and things like that. Um, but they're actually really good. It's not like shanty. Um, it's it's pretty good stuff. So. Um, what is the hardest? I don't know. I mean, they're all really hard to sing. And, um, you know, my voice sits up there. And, you know, I think I'm going to bring an interesting new energy to this. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's so much Aerosmith influence in there when you really listen to, like, the jams. And I think I'm going to have fun kind of taking that bit of a perspective on it, too. You know, a bit more Steven Tyler you know, Guns N' Roses kind of vibe, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, bringing, uh, I don't know, you know, I think just, it's funny, you could hear the influences in like every song, I mean, there's country, western, and then, you know, a song like um, Think About You, um, you know, has that chorus that almost sounds like a Cure song or something, you know, mm. like really, it's, it's crazy, you know, so, 
Stephen goes on, on. I always like to talk to him about the songs and how they came about, and you know, how did the lyric come up, or how did this, how did this song come about? I like to, I like to learn about the songs and the history of the songs. So you, you really, um, when you break them down so much, you, you get to hear all the different influences. So um, for me, yeah, I'm going to be taking, you know, my perspective on these, on these songs, and and try to kill them, you know, for the fans. I mean, let's be honest, the fans know every lyric and, and lick on these songs. They're going to be singing right along. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, the Australian audiences singing most of the choruses for me, you know, and just helping out, you know. Uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of the fun part of these songs. They're just so well-known, you know. And, I, I, you know, I, it's, it's awesome to sing them, you know. What could we? What uh, could be cool? Because you mentioned like maybe special guests, and maybe uh, Tim, you can verify that. I'm pretty sure that it was Chris Weber who wrote uh, "Think About You," and uh, maybe that's something that you could reach Chris out. Chris Weber to. from uh, the Fab Five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I made that joke too. I love his work on TNT. I know, great for the Golden State During Warriors. During the NBA playoffs, he's a handsome, tall man. He's yeah, Sacramento Kings. forward, number four. No, there was a guitarist, uh, Chris Weber, who wrote uh, "Anything Goes." That's what I mean. Anything goes, uh, or you know, put helped with the the structure of it. So perhaps, you know, he could be a guest and and, and go on stage and perform that song because that's something that Guns N' Roses is not going to do. Sure, put it on the list. Put it on the list. <laughs> well, do you have a Maybe list going? Maybe Stephanie Seymour could come out too, and. Uh... <laughs> and perform for us on stage while she can wear a wedding gown and pretend like she's she can dead. wear that wedding gown um and just play with my hair while I sing her songs. <laughs> that would be cool also. So I'm um, trying to think what other women are from the videos. Maybe the dolphin from the Use Your Illusion video can make an appearance also. That would be sweet. Excuse <laughs> up, blow up dolphin. They used that they used to do that at shows, right? Just like blow up dolphins. I heard something like once I, once Axel started swimming with dolphins in the video, we knew the band was over or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was – I forgot who said that, but that was in the VH. I can't remember like, also, but it was pretty awesome. It was like, <laughs> maybe Slash even said that. He's like, once he started dancing with the fucking dolphins and she was a little – it was over. <laughs> so it seems like you have a lot of ideas. So um, this – I'll give credit to uh, – I mean everyone has this question, but I'll give credit to uh, Cheryl D. on Twitter that you're thinking of extending the tour to you know other countries, especially for, you know, for us on the phone to the U.S.? Or is that maybe down the well, road? Well, like I said, you know, I think we all want to see, like, how these shows go, how how it progresses. You know, traveling together can be uh, um, a, a very uh, <laughs> um, fast-track uh, sort of fashion, getting to know you kind of thing. So let's see how all that goes. <laughs> um that's fair. I don't know if Steve has been as far as to Australia in many years and to play, and let's see how all of it goes. But I, you know, look, I'm ready to rock. I think there's a lot of gear. I think, you know, potential for residencies in Vegas and, and playing theater shows and expanding the show um, to be, you know, a super rock experience, you know, live with projections and dancers and maybe meshing some 
you know, more like classic rock review type elements into it and making it immersive and, you know, you know, all of that is, it's fucking endless, you know, especially with a, a theater genius like me um, involved. And, uh, you know, I think there's some really fun stuff to do. But again, I like to just show up and play and sing and drop the mic and also so um, um, I feel good about the about the experience. If we just play these Australian shows, I think it'll be it'll have been a great couple of months. But definitely the potential, the agents, the buyers, the producers out there, everyone's really amped and, and want want the show and want the show all over the East Coast. They want Starland ballrooms. They want, you know, they want, um, you know, the, the, you know, the Paramount. They want, you know, the Capitol sure. Theater. They want World yeah. Cafe Live. They want Irving Plaza, you know, get all into New York and L.A. And then, you know, maybe... You know, I think I think there's a lot of potential there. You know, it could be. Look what Jason Baum Experience is doing. I mean, that's right. You know, oh yeah, that singer example. That singer's terrible. You know, and uh, no offense. I mean, I support <laughs> everybody not out taken. there, but that guy is not great. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, so why why can't we why can't we you know tour and and do fun stuff and it can be fun and calculated and we could do fly outs we don't have to be on the road all the time like we could do you know let's go to uh you know san antonio dallas and houston in a weekend you know boom fly home you know whatever Hmm. it is you know um that's so awesome that you're so you sound so excited especially someone like you who has your hand in so many different uh cookie jars and you know you're, you're so versatile that you're able to do TV, you're able to do Broadway, you're able to do be in a band, you're able to be solo. That you're, you sound excited. This is, this well, is. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, man. I mean, look, I'm a hardworking guy. This is, this is what I've sort of born to do. Is, uh, you know, is to be busy. I like being busy. Um, you know, I wasn't blessed. To be amazing at just one thing. I like to do a lot of things just in a mediocre way, and then this way I get to <laughs> gotcha. do a lot of fun stuff and. <laughs> A lot of different stuff rather than just one thing really well. So I was blessed with that mediocrity where I could spread it out around everything. <laughs> no, I'm just, um, I'm stoked, man. You know, let's hit some high notes and uh, wear some tight pants and, um, and um, you know, sing some of the greatest songs ever fucking written. And let's write some more. What do you think the uh, the box set has done to to even amp this up even more because now the catalog has kind of gotten this new life again. And I know Steven is talking. I mean, dope, dope, dope. They should send Steven like a fucking truck of them so he could sign them at shows in like a gold Sharpie that I will hand him and we will take pictures in front of it like I had anything to fucking do with it. <laughs> I'd be like, totally, totally. This is my box set. It's not a big deal. <laughs> They're like, no, that's your, that's your dick in a box. That's, that's not the box set. That's just your dick. <laughs> I, um, so, you know, but yeah, they should send Steven a fucking a case, you know, a truckload of them. And, and, uh, he should, he should, he should be promoting it as well. You know, I think this is a story about redemption, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, like, those are his brothers he grew up with, and and um, they are betraying him right now. Mm-hmm. And he's going to prove to them that, A, we sound better than them, and B, that, um, you know, 
it's not Guns N' Roses without Steven Adler at drums. Mm. So, thank you guys, man. You guys are awesome. I'm a big fan, and I look forward to uh, you guys seeing the story of our uh, of our of our growth here as a as a band and as a, you know something fun for the fans. I mean, look at all of the look at Queen does. There's like the Queen experience. Those guys sell out, and that guy's an amazing singer. And it's not Queen, but it's it's Queen, you know, people want to hear the songs. They want to hear them celebrated. They want to hear them in a new way. And to hear them with Steven Adler at drums is, uh, is the only way, really, if you ask me. And I, what I, I take away a lot uh, is that you sound um, – you're emotionally now attached to Steven, that you guys – like, you're, he's your big brother now. And I, can, I could sense that your – whatever pain he may be talking about, frustration, the redemption that he wants – that you're feeling that now too. I know if anyone messes with, with my brothers, whether it's a literal brother or not, you're messing with me. So that that's what I'm, oh, I'm getting here. Sure. Yeah. So that's yeah, uh, for sure. That's great. And that you, I thank you for uh, saying that. And yeah, I mean that's what he deserves, you know. Um, so uh, it's funny, like he doesn't have any children that we know of, um, but are <laughs> his songs are are his children, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, He's just as much a part of all of those songs as anyone else, as Axel or Slash or Duff. You know, I mean, hey, Constantine, you fucking. I just want to ask you one quick thing before we let you go. Why do you think yeah. he doesn't get the same? And he doesn't, frankly, and it's unfortunate. But why do you think he doesn't get the same amount of respect or sort of reverence? Um, for being part of that record or that era as the other Look, everyone plays the their part. I mean, you know, everyone plays their part. You know, I mean, they're the fucking, the, the, the 1996 Yankees, you know, the first championship in this whole run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a lot of other guys on the team that were not named Derek Jeter. Mariano that Duncan. Of, that were integral parts of the championship and they only would have won with them as well. Charlie you know? Hayes, baby. And, uh, Charlie Hayes. No one talks about Charlie Hayes and, you know, mid-season <laughs> acquirement. You know, they had guys, they had like a, a crazy bench. They had, you know. Speaking of Australia, though, bench. speaking of Australia, Graham Lloyd, right? He was the. Uh, the Graham left- Lloyd, the lefty specialist. Yeah. I mean, no one talks about Graham Lloyd, you know, when you think about the 96, <laughs> the, the 96 uh, Yanks, you know. So everyone's just got their role to play. And he's the drummer and he wasn't as outspoken and. Somehow he got painted as, like, the quiet one and the drug addict. Meanwhile, they're all fucking shooting drugs, you know, and, uh, you know, everywhere. And, um, you know, so it's just, it's it's hypocritical. Uh, the guy's in great condition. He's, you know, takes great care of himself. He's got a wonderful wife and a, a lovely new home. Well, I'm glad that you're now a part of this story, Constantine, you know, that you're part of his redemption and you're he's, this big smile on his face every time you see him take a picture or you're on a live video, that you're now a part of this, like why we do this podcast, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, GNR Bacon, now Constantine Morales is now a part of it. Thank you. And what I was going to say is my, my greatest achievement in career and, and in life could potentially be using this to get Steven back into the band, hmm. you know, and yeah, I would maybe miss out playing with him and playing these great songs and shows again. But if I, if that, if this work can lead to him, you know, being with his brothers again, then I think that would be awesome. That says a lot about you. And I've learned, you know, uh, 
you know, because I remember watching you on American Idol at the beginning. I only watched it at the, uh, the, those first few rounds where the people who sounded like a ferret being stepped on. Uh, <laughs> and then because there was no rock stuff. So I remember you specifically because you were the rocker guy. Because I didn't, I just I'm right. not a top forty guy. So, following your career since then, and of course, I mentioned with the, with Craig Carton when I, uh, I was a huge fan of Boomer and Carton, and you were a frequent guest on there, and you had a great personality. Carton knows how to build a show, and there's a reason why he had you on. I learned a lot about that today. You know, with the Walking Dead, talking wrestling, all that fun stuff. Of course, <laughs> in addition to to GNR. So, you know, just uh, continue success. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what what comes of this. I want you to come to the Paramount because. That's 15 minutes away from my apartment, so I don't have to go to Australia to see you guys. <laughs> you know, I, I want you to do. I want you to do original material. I want to hear new Steven Adler songs with your with you singing it. And I like the the balls that you're bringing to this. You're not just, you know, it's not just Steven's vehicle now. Like, yeah, his Adler's appetite, but it's it's you guys. It's like you have a great band. So, you know, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but just if you want to give us a couple words on who, you know, fills out the rest of the band and, and what they bring to the well, table. Well, thank you for uh, just seriously going down on me this early in the morning. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, um, was it good for my you? favorite, it's my favorite time for snuggles, really. Um, it's early in the morning, the sheets are all warm and snuggly and, uh, no, uh, thank you, man. You're the best. And I appreciate that love. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I think the lineup is so exciting right now. Uh, we have Carl, uh, Restivo, um, basically in the Izzy slot. Um, uh, singing his ass off, playing his ass off, rhythm guitars, you know, some funky leads. He adds a lot of swag because, you know, he's played, you know, he's Perry Farrell's uh, music director, Tom Morello's music director on their solo efforts. And he's played with everybody. He and I first linked up a few years ago when I did a Kiss tribute um, to Gene and Paul at the ASCAP Pop Awards. And I put together basically Tom Morello solo band as my backup band. And we did some great mashups of kiss and, um, in front of Gene and Paul, and it was kind of crazy. Um, and, um, actually it's funny cause Paul is like the biggest musical theater fan. Um, and he was like, you've done well. <laughs> He's like, Jekyll and Hyde rock of ages. What's next? Like, I'm like, you're fucking, you know, Paul Stanley from Kiss. Like, what is this? This is crazy. So people love the Broadway. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> Carl, Carl's amazing. We have um, Sean McNabb on bass from Lynch Mob and lots of bands from, as an actor from Sons of Anarchy. He's a handsome, rugged man, biker from Los Angeles. He's um, really a sick rock bassist. I mean, he... He really could play anything. It's crazy, you know. Um, and uh, and Michael Thomas, that you would know from Adler's Appetite in the past, um, just an awesome guitar one shredder, you know, just really, um, you know, uh, a professor of the catalog and knows all the sounds and knows all the licks and, you know, really digs in on this stuff. And, you know, Stephen feels really comfortable with him. We looked at a lot of people for this, but I think, you know, it was about Carl I brought in and, you know, Sean and Michael were sort of in place. Um, Stephen feels really comfortable with them and I could see why. 
you know, like I said, this can evolve into so many things, you know, and uh, uh, I look forward to that, you know, um, guests, guest stars, you know, um, you know, Nuno is, is on this show and Joel Hoekster is on this show and, you know, um, you know, someone else is on, you know, over here, you know, um, um, in fact, uh, oddly enough, you know, I grew up loving the Grateful Dead also, as well as hard rock and um, my buddy Joe Russo from Almost Dead, that's his band. He was in the Grateful Dead for many years as uh, Bob Weir's drummer and further and all of this. And he was the biggest metalhead I ever knew. I mean, this dude had like a 90-piece kit when we were kids. He had like three bass drums. I mean, seriously. Stephen <laughs> is like his hero. He even wants Stephen to play on his shows, like doing dead songs, but taking them like really far out. So, I mean, this just, you know, music is, is, it's like water, man. It's just, it can go anywhere, you know, and, uh, and that's what we're psyched about. You know, there's going to be some exciting announcements coming up and, uh, let's just kill these shows and, and have a safe trip. And, um, you know, it's, it's awesome to be a, a small, small part of the, uh, of the legacy that is Guns N' Roses, you know? Amazing, Constantine. I can't thank you enough for the time you are, I mean, I got to say it. I've had a lot of awesome guests. You probably have made you have made me laugh more than any other guest. So this was a good a, a pleasure. And so the best way to serve fans. I mean, we all know how to keep in touch. Everyone follows Stephen, but what yeah, about man. you, Constantine M yeah, on Twitter? Yeah, you know, it's awesome. Um, look, I'm I'm really active on on Instagram okay. at Constantine Marulis. I think my stories are a big part of my personality. You get to see, you know, it's funny. I get like just insane traffic on my stories. Uh, so definitely check me out at Constantine Marulis. Um, on on Insta at Constantine M um, on Twitter and Twitter's great too. You know, more more about like retweeting stuff and and I love the news feed and and all of that is connected. Like my Insta goes right to the Twitter to my my personal Facebook, which is open for everyone as well. You can find me easily on 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 Facebook. You know, I'm uh, ConstantineMarulis.com and I have a new single out that's very not Guns and Roses. It's an acoustic version of my song All About You. Um, that uh, that was at Sirius um, this year, and we just put an acoustic version of it out. And it's a song I wrote with uh, with Sam Hollander, who is a great songwriter. He wrote Hand Clap uh, for Fits in the Tantrums, and mm. I'd love to tag Sam in on some stuff with me and Steven. And wow. you know, um, you know, uh, so that's a different side of me. All about you, uh, available on Spotify. All my new material is on Spotify and iTunes. So um, check out what I've been up to, and uh, you know. Uh, um, I'm working on a couple of new Broadway things, and uh, so we'll keep you posted, man. But it's all about, uh, you know, Steven and these shows right now and, and, and slaying. That's basically it. And I'm on a cleanse, okay? And I cheated this morning on my cleanse, guys. Okay, for you. I did that for you. Okay, I got lipo. I got lipo for you. Hey, Kanye. Hey, Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Constantine. All right, dude. You're you're always welcome back. Hey, man. Have a great day. And uh, if you you could see what's happening at the pool right now, from my perspective, you guys would like it very much. I'm jealous. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you. Take care. Bye. 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 So that Later. was a trip. Yeah. So uh, that was cool. we're we can keep recording. Uh, so would you want to give a wrap up on uh, what we just heard, and we can just get back into the the box set because that was uh that was unexpected. You know, I know we were going to do a separate <laughs> thing on the box set, but there's so much into it, especially what Tim has to offer. And then I didn't want to make Constantine wait, and he was uh you know 
Sorry for having you guys be in, in the background so much. Um, you know, I want. I'm glad that you guys got in a, a couple questions. But what are your what are your thoughts? Are you able to digest it? Because he he talked shit on purpose. It's uh, <laughs> he he definitely did. He definitely made his opinion clear, and I'm sure that's not only his opinion. I, my opinion is that you know he's got his opinion, and that's that's awesome. I think he's got a good point. I, the one thing that always bothers me that I think is I try to get him to talk about is everyone talks about Adler like he's a groupie and he's like this like he wasn't really part of the band he's not that important he's like a hanger on uh, you know one of the guys that were backstage or something no one ever talks about him like he was just as important as Izzy or Duff or Axel or Slash it's like that's the one thing that always bothers me because drummers don't get enough credit from that era for some reason um like you know the who is garbage without Keith Moon it did they just were right um, the Ze- Zeppelin couldn't go on without John Bonham, but we talk about Steven Adler like he's just this, you know, fan who there was lucky enough to get to play with Guns N' Roses. It's yeah. like no, I don't know why. He was, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and it's it's really kind of weird because I mean, I, I feel great for the guy that he's, uh, you know, moving on, you know, regardless of the things that happened in his life, and, and that's what you got to do, right? And, and so you know, good for him there. Um, and, and right, everyone's entitled to their. Uh, I mean, I make the argument anyway. People would disagree with this that people are entitled to their own opinions on things. Um, and you know, I mean, granted, the problem, you know, from his point of, from our point of view, with what he said sometimes, is some of the things he said have been kind of horrible and, and kind of disrespectful to some other people in Guns N' Roses right now. But you know, I think those. I think when he says those things, they're said in a moment of frustration. And the anger, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I don't think yeah. that he would really mean that, you know, normally, right? I mean, it's hard to know when it's – all you're doing, you're reading an interview. You weren't there when they actually asked him the question to see if, you know, right? It's hard to know. Um, but, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see. I mean, anything's possible. I mean, they could get back together with GNR, including Izzy, or maybe it'll just be Steven, or maybe it'll just be Izzy, or maybe it'll be neither of them. Um, you know, as much as we, we all like to – relive things from our past including great things like this and uh but you know what i mean i'm just i'll take what i can get i'm, I'm happy that uh you know no no disrespect to any past members of Guns N' roses but i'm definitely happy that Duff and slash are back and not so much even for the music and for the fans i'm just happy that those three guys can get together again and and be happy in their life you mm-hmm. know and, and that's that's grand not that they weren't happy before but you know what i mean right sure. um yeah i'm with you Tim. Uh, like like i mean of course, there's a there's a, a money aspect going on to this, right? Where they they are making money, but you know, and, and people who complain about that, I don't understand that because it's like, well, they're not allowed to make money. I, I really don't understand that. I guess you know, what I mean, but um, but in addition yep. to making money, I don't think they're doing it just to make money. Like when, when you see these backstage like uh, videos and backstage pictures, it looks like they are genuinely enjoying each other's company. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, everything you said as far as maybe being in the moment of being angry, I can't imagine he actually thinks they sound better than Guns N' Roses. It's not taking anything away from any of the talent, whether it's Constantine, Adler, you know, and just the new band as a whole, but just that's right. not GNR. It's just, it's it's not. I mean, you can argue that the GNR now is not the GNR because Adler's not in it, Izzy's not in it, but 
Axel is only Axel. Slash is only Slash. You're only going to get those sounds from those guys. Not that, and again, no disrespect to any of the past members. I love Buckethead. Finally saw him in concert. You know, uh, Robin Fink was great. I love Frank, but and I enjoy, I've enjoyed those shows that I've gone to. But it's a, it's a different tone and art. And, and you and I have talked about that a lot with what Adler brings. Like anybody can play those parts, but it's a certain tone that nobody can recreate. That Matt Sorum is a drum machine. He's he's amazing. You know, Brain is amazing, yeah. but it's a certain flair that. That Adler has that he brings that it's it's that can't be duplicated. So but you know what's, what's yeah. interesting? It's like a, I had a weird like poetic thought while this conversation was happening. Was you know GNR's kind of changed over the years, right? They they went from you know the dirty Sunset Strip gang gang gangster kind of band to like this arena rock band that was doing Giant Stadium to you know evolving into this hyper sort of mega machine and then back to like doing the residencies at the Hard Rock and They've evolved a lot. And I think it's almost like maybe Adler's not supposed to be part of this current incarnation because it's like they are now a machine. It is sort of a corporate brand. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all, but it is sort of – it's very different, right? The band right now is not the band that we saw in 1987, nor should it be, right? Hmm. But I feel like right. I feel like Adler was representative of the sloppy, dangerous, living on the edge, young, ruthless – version of Guns N' Roses because he is kind of that like drummer and then you know Sorum was the perfect arena rock drummer and now Frank is the perfect sort of like you know they're a brand now drummer I guess Um, because Frank's great I like his drumming but it doesn't to me it doesn't have its own sort of signature um, it's funny because no one ever talks about Matt Sorum (laughs) like no there's no Matt Sorum (laughs) fan club who's like I want Matt Sorum back in the band there's a Frank Farrar fan club for sure there's a Adler fan club for sure. Um, hell, there's even like brain f- fan clubs. I don't see anybody saying they want that somewhere back, poor bastard. But um, <laughs> well, actually, like, I'm trying to find where did I the the, the tweet because uh, Swarm mentioned something before. He's actually pretty good with answering uh, fans on on Twitter. Oh, here we go. Uh, somebody, uh, I want to give the, the credit for who asked it. Uh, audio. Production. So, production thing said, uh, everybody would love to see you back in GNR. The tour would be epic. And Matt Storm just goes, you never know what life has to offer you, do you? And that sparked a lot of comments, a lot of retweets, a lot of likes. So, he does get those comments. It he's great. Like, he's a fucking hell of a drummer. Yeah. He would kill in those big stadiums. I think he would probably play those big stadiums better than most drummers on the planet for that band. But, you know, I don't know. It's it's weird. There's all these weird uh, conversations about what drummer is the right drummer for these songs. All this, but I don't I don't know. I guess you're right, man. Steven Adler wrote wrote those drum parts. You know what I mean? He wrote those for for the Appetite songs. He used the guys, and for Civil War, he was the guy. And you know, it sucks not seeing him there, but you know, it is what it is. I guess he's not supposed to be part of this this machine. And I can't see Adler working in that environment. I don't his personality and his vibe. I don't see him as being the workman like drummer who comes in and plays. And like they, they're a machine now. They're a business. They're an enterprise. And does Adler fit into that? I don't know. It's almost it doesn't feel it doesn't feel right for him to be part of this for some reason. I want him to be, but it doesn't feel right. Mm. That's my perspective. I'm wondering if t- it, Tim, and I'll leave to you. Maybe that's what you should have done instead of asking for money to contribute to the box set. It could have been like ransom. Hey, include Stephen in this, and you got it, man. You know, give him more shows, right. and you got it. Right. You know. I mean, I. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really it's a shame because you know with Izzy it's like even if you wanted to include him maybe he doesn't want to be included and so what can you do about that you can't force someone against their will 
But with Steven, I mean, clearly, obviously, he wants to be included. What I wonder is, like, um, and don't wrong, not that I'm saying Stephen can't play Huge um, Illusion songs or Chinese Democracy songs. I'm sure he, he probably can. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, um, and in fact, there was that video of him doing, like, You Could Be Mine in the, um, at a rehearsal space or something, right? Right. Um, but, you know, um, I guess the question is, like, would would he be amenable to, if this is the route, you know, GNR wants to go, would he be amenable to playing the, uh, you know, appetite songs and live songs and maybe Civil War, but then having Frank or whoever, you know, uh, playing the other songs at, at each concert? I mean, I, I don't know, right? You know, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's even, if, he, if he's, I don't know if Steven's demands are all in or nothing, or if he's, if he's okay with partial stuff. I mean, obviously he did those guest spots in what, Nashville and um, with a Santiago Chile or wherever it was, like, you know, but um, would he be like for full time? Would be would, would he be OK with for part of the concert and not for the whole concert? I don't know. Right. You know, what I, mean? yeah. I think he would. I think he would take anything. He, I th- it sounds like Stephen Adler would take anything he gets because he not because he's desperate, but because he wants to be part of the experience and he wants to give back to the fans. And he seems really excited about whatever he can do to be on that stage again. I, I don't think he has. But I do think his personality is complicated because, you know, he goes on these radio shows and he, he just goes off. He, he just he kind of rants on Guns N' Roses in, in a very, you know, whatever. I, I defend his free speech. Let him say whatever he wants. He's the fucking original. Well, he's the original drummer, basically. Right. So he can say whatever he wants, but people get offended and get very angry when he says some of the things he says. So it's almost like, does he have a negotiating option here? I don't think he does, because when he goes out and says those things, you know, the El Jefe, if you will, or the Saddam Hussein of Guns N' Roses, Axel Rose is going to be like, hey, buddy, <laughs> okay, like, we're going to put a bullet in the back of your head if you keep talking that way. And, you know, <laughs> you don't fuck with Axel. This is his band. It's like, it's like, you know, even back to the box set, it's like the box set was being released. And it's like that photo book, that's not all photos from Axel's private vault, right? It's from everybody. It's probably from Slash Duff. There's probably stuff from, obviously, stuff from Tim's collection. But, you know, the... The advertisement is stuff from Axel's vault. So this yeah, is Axel, that's interesting that Axel Rose Rodeo. You'll be put to pasture, if you will. And even the current tour, I mean, like, hey, look, man, one thing I'll say before I say anything else, right, you know, whatever they want to do, it, it's their life and, and it's their business, you know what I mean? Uh, however, you know, um, I kind of wonder if, like, like, for example, right, you know, we all know Axel had a falling out with Mark Cantor, right? You know, that's that's clear, right. that's documented, right, you know? And as far as I know, Flash has not had a falling out with Mark Cantor. Now, I could be wrong about that, but as far as what's publicly available, I don't think he's had a problem with them. But if Flash wants to bring Mark Cantor backstage at the show, very doubtful that's going to go down. Hmm. And, and I think Axel is calling, you know, a lot of the shots and... um Yep. I just kind of wonder, you know, I mean, like, to me, they're wrong. Axel's a very animatic front man, you know, one of, probably, in my opinion, the greatest of all time. But, you know, like we were just saying, everyone in that original, original, whatever you call it, Appetite Era band, um, played their part, you know, fairly equally, in my opinion. So I think Slash and Duff are a big draw as well. And shouldn't they be able to have their say in, in a lot of things as well? I mean, like, you know, yep. and... And I'm not saying they don't. I have no idea. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not part of that business. They maybe they do. You're thinking. Know, right? You're giving you your know? opinion. That's what we do here. It's a, it's opinions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know. Um, 
So we'll see. I mean, um, I, I, I kind of wish that, you know, they would bury the hatchet with a lot of people from their past. You know, Mark Henner, Vicky Hamilton, Arlette Farik, um, all these people. But you know what? I mean, again, it's their life. I can understand, you know, being angry at people and holding grudges. I get it, you know. Um, but hopefully one day before everyone passes on, maybe they can all, uh, you know, not literally, but metaphorically kiss and make up. You know? you know, kumbaya. Instead of right. instead of playing the seeker, right. they'll they'll play kumbaya on, on stage. <laughs> you know, I think the the one tragedy of all this, though, now we're talking about all the you know the the weird sort of spheres of influence that exist in the GNR world. Like mm-hmm. there's the Axel camps, there's the Slash camps, there's the weird Mark Kanner sort of his he's got all this footage that you know he's he's going to keep under his belt for the rest of his life probably until he can sell them or something. There's Robert John's use your illusion footage. There's all this shit that's floating around. And the sad thing is I think the thing that, that gets hurt the most in this whole process is use your illusion. Cause you know, the 30th anniversary is not, you know, it's not that far away. And then when it comes around for that record, it's like, we're not going to have, we're not going to have anything to put out unless another you know, GNR buys all the footage from Robert John and they can get there. They can get like the very sort of, you know, peace treaties in order. Matt Sorum's got to be part of that. Obviously, he has to be part of that. Um, Gilby Clark has to be part of something going on there. I mean, like, there's so much. That, I think, is the part of the history that is disappearing and won't have the sort of commemoration and celebration because of all this infighting and beef. I think the appetite stuff, we can all kind of sort of, and other than Mark Hanna's footage, like, it's all, it's basically all accessible if you know the black market of fans. But the use your illusion stuff seems to be disappearing into, like, the ether. Hmm. Which I think is really fucking right. sad. Tim, do you right. have any of that yeah. stuff? Are they going to contact you for a user illusion uh, locked and loaded box set in a few years to to, to donate? Um, you know, in in terms of memorabilia, sure, but I, I really don't have any um, uh, you know, like unreleased uh, footage or you know uh, anything like that. But I thought I remember some story about Axel buying like everything from Robert John, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, that just popped in my head for some reason or another you know yeah he, um, he bought robert he bought the rights to robert john's photos but the robert john apparently has like thousands and thousands of hours of footage video footage uh, on the user illusion tour that he's um got so no one has that except robert john <laughs> oh and i think we, I, we discussed uh, it a little bit with jack lou right art yeah i think jack lou discussed something like that but yeah I mean, the photos axel owns all the photos that ever robert john ever shot um it's the only photographer's photos he owns, as far as I know. So, oh, nice. Okay, yeah, right. I mean, so right. So, in in terms of, you're right. That that's a that'd be a really shame if that gets you know um, lost to history or whatever, whatever we would call it. But um, I mean, again, the very good news. The good news for that, anyways, we have what three years right now to the 30th anniversary of uh, Use Resolution. Hopefully, yep. in that time. Um, maybe they can get together with Robert John or, or whoever and uh, um, and patch things up or come up with a fair price that they're willing to pay to buy it from him and then he's willing to sell it for. I mean, because you're right, it would be a damn shame in my opinion. Um, although i got to say, if you got that footage and if you got the live shows as well, right, that would be a pretty pricey bike set maybe, right? You know? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Price is a bit of an issue right now with the current box set, right? So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Tim, I had a question, I had a question for you since it, it, I guess it's going to come up. Fans are going to want to ask. I know you probably can't answer it, but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, <laughs> what is that item in your collection that led GNR to you? What was that cool, like, memorabilia that you had? 
Um, it was a, a demo tape that I bought, you know. Um, okay. And I don't. I gotta say though, this particular demo tape is fairly plain looking, right? You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So I don't. So even from a memorabilia standpoint, even from like a oh, even though we have the master tracks, we want to get a picture of it to put it in the book or whatever. Um, I guess I don't really understand why you would because it's fairly plain looking demo tape. But um, mm. but that's what it that's what it was, and that particular demo tape um, supposedly was uh, not supposedly. I mean, I believe you know uh, Jeff. Uh, I believe the guy I, I bought it from anyway, right? You know, and um, and uh, so what happened is uh, back in you know, 1986, this is a demo tape that was given, um, if I remember the story correctly. To Tom uh, Zutad, who then gave it to Bryn Bridenthal. You know, she was the publicist for GNR for a long time, right? You know, right, um, right. And, and uh, she sold a lot of her collection. Um, you know, she sold a lot of her collection to this person, and uh, I bought you know the demo tape from this guy. I also bought a couple a couple of copies of Sealed Light Like a Suicide that I know they truly nice. are Sealed Light Light Like a Suicide because I know who they came from you know what i mean right like um but uh yeah so that's that's the item um and again you know while we're talking about demo tapes and everything uh you know i would have liked to have seen like i mean they're wrong i'm i haven't even seen the box yet i was in person but you know from what i can tell and everything I, i'm gonna be happy but then again like you mentioned earlier i'm one of those like six or seven hundred people out there that are hardcore maybe collectors who would be happy with it. Um, but I got to say, I, I, I do find it bizarre that there was no pre-1986 demos or, or, you know, songs or whatever. And again, you know, any live footage at all for that matter. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Like I said, maybe they, they, they indicated to me they have plans for future releases. Uh, I don't know. Maybe like a, who knows, maybe like a holiday gift to fans. Hey, we're giving this, show to you for free i mean i don't know something like who knows what could happen right here um I wish you know yeah right i, I can wish in, in one hand and shit in the other right See what it's going to fast, but, you know, <laughs> do, you, right. do you guys know what's on the what's on the blu-ray because i thought the blu-ray was going to have um the it's your it's so easy the uncensored sort of bdsm video where he like actually just basically like ties up aaron everly and like whatever abuses her, which I think would be the greatest thing of all time to have on a DVD. Like, I'd watch that DVD a thousand times. No, but, it's, um, it's, it's going to be the track that... listing, the Blu-ray audio of Appetite. So, but... Oh, so there's video? There's no video on the Blu-ray? It says uh, Blu-ray audio, and it's just going through the track. I'm looking, uh, this is courtesy of Blabbermouth. Oh, the music videos, uh, Welcome oh, to the Jungle, so Paradise. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything. Oh, uh, oh, oh, this, so this, this is gonna be new though, bro. They say it's so easy. A brand new uh, video from 1989. So that seems like they, they say brand new because the video back then, it technically wasn't finished. You know, so basically they just finished it, whatever that exactly means. Maybe. Um, Maybe brought the you know, quality of the footage up to current standards. I'm not sure, right? You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but that vi- that video is going to be on there for sure. Like, right? Yeah. You know, that's so, so fucking. Amazing. I think that I've been wanting to see that great. video, like a clean version of that video, for like 20 years. Yeah, we so, all like, have. I mean, that's what right. I, I started the whole show when I thought this was going to be divvied up into two different episodes, but this is just one jam-packed episode. 
uh, of just what about so what about the Ritz stuff, uh, Tim? Do you know if that's going to be yeah. anything from the Ritz? That's not going to be anything. Nothing um, like that's going to be on this, right? Seems like Sound City. Not on, not on this, but I, I mean, but I know they. I mean, of course, obviously they have Ritz '88 because you know, that's that's pretty. I mean, and NCB would have it as well, even if they didn't have it, right? You know, um, but right. they told me they have Ritz '87, the full version. You know what I mean? Um, you oh, know, and, and so again. Um, they kind of indicated that they want to save some things for future releases. So again, I can't you know, take my work. They're wrong. This is what they told me. That is very true. That's accurate. Now, whether or not that actually ends up happening, I can't guarantee you that, you know what I mean? But I'm just telling you what right. they told me is all right. You know, um, of course we would all love to see that. Right. And I don't know if they recorded, I mean, I'm sure once appetite really went huge in summer of 88, from there on, things are probably recorded, I would imagine, right? Before that, mm-hmm. I don't know what shows they actually recorded, what shows they didn't. I mean, who knows? Maybe they recorded every show. We just haven't seen anything yet. I have no idea. But we know Risk 87. We know Risk 88. Um, I want to say, like, like Weedsport, New York or something, there was a show. I can't remember the, the, the date, but that show, I've seen, there's footage of out there as well. Um, but, you know, I mean, man... I think the gold standard is kind of like the 87 and, and no offense to any other era of the band, but the 87 and 88 shows, right. You know? Um, yeah. It's like, yeah. I've always wanted to see the Perkins, the Perkins palace thing for Pasadena. I think it was like December of 87, right. When it was like right, right, right. when <laughs> welcome to jungle started getting played. So that was such a special gig. I think there's some footage somewhere, but I've never seen a clean kind of right. thing. And I'd be surprised mm-hmm. if, they, you know, if they didn't, I'd be surprised if they didn't record I mean, Australia and New Zealand are, are one thing, and no offense to Australia or New Zealand, but <laughs> okay. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if they didn't record the shows uh, in Japan of '88 in December, right? You know, mm. I mean, I'm, yes, it's got to be right. And I, when I say record, I mean uh, video, right? You know, um, but but I haven't seen or heard anything about that, so who knows, right? Do, do either of you guys know anything? As I, I mentioned it at the beginning when we were talking about uh, the show, uh, th- this now two in one show. Uh, I've never heard of the, of the plague or uh, New York tune. Have either of you? No, I haven't I've heard. Right, I, I've heard of the plague. I knew that song was recorded, but I don't. I've never heard a snippet of it or know what it's supposed to sound like or anything else. Hmm. Right, uh, that exactly. I don't know. You know. Um, it's little things like that, like they but, get me excited. And you were talking about things being reworked, like the "It's So Easy" video, the uh, "Shadow of Your Love." I mentioned also earlier. It sounds reworked, although uh, uh, Megan slash his girlfriend. I, I saw this. I think this was courtesy of uh, GNR Central uh, that they, they caught it. That somebody asked her if the guitar parts were re-recorded, and she said, "No, it's all original." So, but it sounds fresh. Well, wait. And, and I asked. I asked the people I got, um, that I am in contact with, um, and the reason why a lot of us haven't heard it is a one, it's a one song recording session from November of 1986 with Mike Clank to try him out. Now, online, they wrote down that it's from December of 86. That was a bit of a misprint on their end there, but it's from November of 86, a one-track recording session that they did. Now, it may have been, it's possible that it was remixed or remastered or whatever for current you know, standards, right? You know what I mean? Mm. That may have happened, but no, but right, no, no additional singing, no additional guitar or drumming or anything else, right? But it's, it, but it yeah. sounds so, so good. I, I'm just, I'm never impressed with a remaster 
when you know with the right. Beatles remaster right. or something. It's just like all right, it just sounds newer, I guess. But this it sounded like a new song and a song I've been hearing right. for years. So I mean, this is, I'm excited for everything. It's just. You know, like I said before, if I have to ask for this for the next 20 birthdays or eight, eight Hanukkahs or whatever I need to do, you know, uh, if anything, I, I I would never want one. I mean, I hope Stephen would get one for free and maybe they give those out at the show. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe they'll yeah, – no, it's not going to happen. But uh, it, it's, it's, all, it's really exciting. I think if anything else, uh, if nothing else, this is just super exciting, uh, even with the ad campaign, which – uh, a lot of people were thinking it was going to be the reunion. Even iHeart picked it up, and uh, iHeart doesn't do a lot of, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, a lot, a lot of top forty, a lot of pop stuff they they they, uh, they focus on. But the reunion is still a big deal. This band is still a big deal, and uh, it's just maybe because the price is pricing some people out, but. The excitement is still yeah. there, and I think that's that's what's really cool, if nothing else. And the excitement is bleeding over uh, to Constantine and Adler and, and their band. So uh, a lot to look forward to. There was definitely a very dark period of this band, uh, maybe dark figuratively, that we didn't know what was going on. Uh, so there's just a lot of stuff to talk about now. So that it's, just, it's just super cool to be a, a fan of this band at the moment. What do you guys think about the fact that they left one in a million off? Yes, that's something, and I want uh, Art to talk about this because I know uh, you have an opinion. We, we've talked about one in a million on the show before, and I asked Ernie C. what his thoughts were when we interviewed him. But it's, do you think it's a censorship thing? Because, Art, uh, this ties into – I think Del James brought it to your attention, right? There was yeah. a certain uh, show that was censored. So I don't know if this is a 2018 decision. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'll let you take it away. Well, real quick about Dell James, I think it's important that people go on Dell's Twitter or his Instagram at Dell James Gang and see the story about this heavy metal band, a really badass rock band, um, Electric Wizard. They mm-hmm. sort of sound like a modern version of Black Sabbath. I'm yes. sure mm-hmm. most people know about yeah. that. Um, they play the Will Turn on the 29th, I think, and the Will Turn, um, two songs in, pulled their visual projection display behind them because they felt it was too offensive for these like snowflakes in the crowd. So... Um, it really sort of like Dell brought it up to me and said, this needs to be talked about. This needs to be spread wide. So guys go on his Twitter, retweet it, you know, defend the right of artists to fucking show whatever they want, say whatever they want. This is rock and roll. This is free speech. It's really sad and tragic that we've gone to the point in music where, you know, these social justice warriors in the LA music scene, these like mini, you know, Tipper Gores are censoring everything that happens and controlling what people say, what they name their band, what they show, how they dress. You know, we can't even talk about sex anymore. So, you know, now you can't even show, you know, quasi-satanic sort of, you know, visuals because you're going to scare some, like, hipster who doesn't eat meat and is scared of blood or whatever and is going to go on social media and cause a firestorm with a hashtag. So How is that happening? That, it's, it's disgusting. In 2018, it's a death metal band. You said it sounds like Sabbath. They're really badass. That's what you're yeah. going to see. It's not like you're going to see, you know, the Teletubbies are going to see Raffi and they're all of a sudden showing like full penetration. Like, okay, there's a problem there. <laughs> but you're just going to see a fucking death metal band. Why are you doing this? So yeah, does well, that you know, you live, it's, you know, it's because it's 2018, though. You made, a, you made a great point. And I'll let Tim jump in and give his thoughts because I think he should, you know, provide his opinion, too. But yeah. it's 2018. That's exactly why. And that's the tragedy of the era we live in now. We've gone back in time. We've gone back to the 50s. 
um, instead of being in the 60s and 70s and the 80s, everything was getting cooler and better and more edgy. Remember, like the, the, the progression was everything was getting more free and dirty and fun as we got toward. And all of a sudden, boom, it was like this like wall was presented to us in the 90s. And ever since then, it's been getting thicker and thicker. It's like we can't even be fun anymore. We're, we're a bunch of uptight, puritanical, whiny, social justice driven doltish fucking you know sensitive children who can't have fun anymore and it's sad and pathetic is that why one in a million was left off what do you think tim is that why well you know um real quick to speak to the um electric wizard uh not controversy whatever you want to call it um here's here's what i don't get i've never been to that venue i've never even been to la but i'm assuming it's not like it's not like you're going to a concert, like, like it's not like you're going to the L.A. street scene, right, you know, where it's an open-air <laughs> right. thing. I, I can understand that. And, you know, okay, there's people who, who didn't plan on seeing this band, right. and they're seeing this stuff. Maybe we got to take it down. This is a, a closed venue. You paid to get into this. I don't understand that shit at yep. all, right? It's like, yep. it's like going to a Quentin Tarantino movie in the, in the theater and complaining about someone using the word fuck. Right. Like, what do you think? You know what I mean, right? I mean, I don't really understand that. As for the one in a million... Look, I, I I get it, okay? However, speaking of the It's So Easy video, isn't it kind of interesting? The whole reason that video was never even finished back then or put on the air, and MTV didn't air it back then, is exactly because of what is going, is what, uh, exactly because of what is happening to Aaron Everly in that video, right? And now, in this day and age, with uh, a, the sensitivity, and B, the whole, like, like the Me Too movement and all that, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now you're going to put this video in here of, of S and Hamilton going, not that I, don't worry, I don't find it offensive, but I'm just saying a lot of people could. So you choose to include that, and yet you get rid of one in a million. Uh, you don't have Corn Shucker on here either, right? right. You know what I mean? Um, right, good that point. That, to me, is like a, a, a bit of a mixed message, right? You know? <laughs> right? No, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah, go in or, or don't do it. Go all in or just right. get out. No, well, yeah. this kind of brought right. me to a sad, sad realization I just had. There's no way they're putting the raw footage of It's So Easy. They're probably going to edit it to be way more safe. They're probably going to get rid of stuff where, like, Aaron's being, like, thrown to the floor or, like, violently. So I think, like, the BDSM stuff's become more acceptable in culture than it was in the 80s. Like, I think we, we have fucking movies and TV shows now that celebrate, you know, like, sadomasochistic Fifty Shades of Grey, you know. So it's totally, I think it's a little more acceptable now in a weird way, but I think... Anything where she's being violent, violently attacked in any weird, bizarre, or vague way, I think they probably are going to remove. Hmm. Um, speaking of one in a million, the only point I want to make is I love the song. I'll defend the song to my grave. I Me don't too. care. I, I think the artist should have the right to say whatever the fuck they want. We all know yeah. for a fact, having talked to anybody that knows Axl Rose, that he's not racist. He's not homophobic. He's not xenophobic. This is a song written at a point in his life where he was godsmacked or whatever, arriving in Los Angeles, this little hillbilly from the Midwest, had no idea what was going on. And he wrote from the perspective of the character he was interpreting, which I think, you know, frankly speaking, is a lot of white America when they arrive to a big city cosmopolitan experience from the sticks. Um, you know, right. whatever you want to say about that, is, is, it, is it inappropriate? Is it hurtful? Is it mean? Does it trigger some people? Sure, it does. And you know what? Get over it. Don't listen to the song. You know, don't play okay. it, don't get involved with it, and don't engage with the material. But you know what? Like, there's a lot of Mark Twain books that use a lot of horrible language, and there's a lot of history right. books that lose, use a lot of really dangerous and uncomfortable language. But you got that's history, and rewriting history to me is really 
really inappropriate um, for me, at least as a historian, or at least a historian of this band. But you know, yeah, they don't want to include it. Fine. You know, they were going to get so much shit for including it. They would have gone destroyed by the media. They would have been called racists and bigots and homophobes for the next three years. So. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I kind of feel for them. I'm kind of glad they didn't include it because the last thing I want to do is see Think Peace like Jezebel or the New York Magazine or Vulture or some garbage garbage writer at Salon saying that, oh, here we go, white America is back or some garbage. So I'm glad that they didn't include it for their own sake. Um, and it's a great fucking song. It's catchy. It's got a lot of interesting sort of, you know, the, the acoustics, the whistling. It's a it's a classic ditty. I think the the lyrics are unfortunate and they hurt a lot of people's feelings and but, you know, it was a different time, it was a different place, and, you know, that song, as, as horrific as it was in those days, a lot of people listen to it, and I think we can still handle it. I think so, too. Yeah. It's, it's become uh, the Apu of Guns N' Roses songs. All of a sudden, people are, <laughs> <laughs> are offended by it, and you know what I doesn't mean? He, with... Doesn't he talk about Irani, Iranian, like, liquor store owners in, that, uh, in One in a Million as well? Sort of like, it is literally like Apu in a weird way, where he's not, a, he's not Iranian, I get it. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, but he, well, yeah, I'm just using that as a, a way to shoehorn another example, another current topical example, because, you know, you mentioned all those these uh, outlets that are making that could potentially make a think piece about one in a million are doing the same thing about a poo from The Simpsons so all of a sudden being racist. It's just, it's 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 really right. hard. No matter how much you try to control your narrative, and Axel is there are interviews out there where he's talked about it. You know, I mentioned before we've er, uh, interviewed Ernie C about it. Who and it's coming from a guy who was recruited to be in a gang when he moved to Compton. He knows racism. He's experienced racism. And to quote Ernie, he's not that dude. Axel isn't that dude. And that, and right? even to have that out there, there are going to be people who have their own narrative. It's racist no matter what. Like uh, who's that uh, that shitty Wadden-be uh, Tom Green that's on uh, uh, Adult oh, Swim? Uh, uh, why am I forgetting his name? He, I don't know. He, uh, there's um, I, I've talked about him on on the show before, but he's uh, a, a comedian. He has a show on Adult Swim, and he has like this one YouTube video where he calls uh, Axel and GNR a bunch of uh, of racist. I wish I can remember it. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll say it. Yeah. After, say it. That after. narrative, by the way, that, that narrative still exists. I had a, I had a debate, a Twitter debate with this forgotten, awfully pathetically like semi-retired tr- Twitter troll, former ex rapper Talib Kweli, um, a few months ago, and. Yeah, he literally saw that uh, my Twitter bio says I'm writing a book about Guns N' Roses, and our debate had nothing to do with Eric race Andre. Eric Andre, sorry. Yeah, our debate had nothing to do with race, but he pulled the, oh, the yeah. race card and he clipped the lyrics from One in a Million and he pasted it on his Twitter and said, "Look, here, this is what Guns N' Roses fans think. Um, you know, the, obviously the N word is being used and the F word is being used. So he, you know, he put that out there. There, there's still a contingent of people in this country who believe." I kid you not, they believe that Guns N' Roses are representative of white America. They're the band for racists. They're the band for sort of like misogynists. There's people who are still that ignorant and that sort of set in their ways. Unbelievable. Thank God. Thank God they didn't include include one in a million, you know, because it would have unleashed this torrent of stupidity that I don't even – like I would have been so angry. I would have written a think piece for like – the weekly standard about how one in a million is the greatest song of all time, just because of how angry I would have been by mm. the, the sort of social justice warriors whining and complaining for three days on social media. So I'm, I'm glad. Thank God. No hashtags. Let's keep JDR <laughs> safe. They don't deserve to be treated that way. It was fucking the eight. It was the eighties folks. It wasn't, it was a different right. time. Let me tell you, I, I remember the eighties. I remember going to Hollywood 
or downtown LA in the 80s and seeing what was going on down there. And let me tell you, it was a very divided and scary time. And get over it. And it's 2018. And shut up about your, you know, thoughts about censorship and art. It's an artist. He wrote a song. It's over. Move on. I think that's yeah. Uh, yeah go ahead, Tim, because yeah. I, I think that that might be the perfect way to to end this this episode because it, we've been going for a while, and uh, <laughs> you both have been uh, gracious enough to you know be a part of uh, this episode episode sixty two of the AFD show and being involved in the interview with Constantine. Uh, so I mean, were you going to say something? I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh uh, no, I was just going to say, and I couldn't agree more. And and right, and it, it kind of seems like it just in general in, in America sometimes. People have this association that that all heavy metal and hard rock is like, you know, um, so just for white people, and it's for and 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 not only white people, but like, um, you know, people who, who may be racist or have racist undertones and stuff like that. And it's just, and don't know, there might be some bands out there that are, for all I know, and and that's unfortunate. But most of it is not. And I wish people would just have a little bit of a more open mind towards heavy metal and hard rock in general. And uh, you know, and even though I would have loved to see one in a million on here. Again, I, I always respect GNR's decisions. They've always done things their own way, and they're doing that again now. And and so be it, you know. All right. No. I, hey, as I, long I, as I can yeah. listen to the song on the CD, and as long as it's still on, you know, YouTube and Spotify, it is. I don't yeah. give. I don't give a shit. That's that's to me. That's not censorship. If they remove the song off their catalog, then we're gonna have a conversation about that. Then I think then I would be very angry because I think that's like right. you know the WWE removing Chris Benoit from their like network or whatever it's like yeah it's an right. ugly sort of reminder of a thing we don't want to remember but you know what they're part of the history can't erase history we have to learn from it and that to me one in a million is a part of guns and roses history and I, and I cherish it i don't i don't i don't glorify it i don't think those lyrics are are, are appropriate i think they're f- ugly sort of heinous lyrics in many ways but you know hey man my mom came my mom's an armenian immigrant who came here from Iran, right? So I grew up in an immigrant household that my mom didn't speak English for like the first, I don't know how many years of my life. Hmm. So I don't give a shit. I wasn't offended by that song. That song talks about immigrants and xenophobia. I don't care. That's his opinion. That's that's an artist. He can express himself however he wants. I don't give a shit. And if you guys can't handle it, you know, move to fucking, I don't know, some country where they censor everything. We don't have to worry about being hurt by anything. So... There you go. Right. And and to GNR's credit and also to the credit of Sirius XM, I, I want to say I'm about 99.9% certain they did play that song when GNR had their, their uh, GNR channel on Sirius XM for a short while. That there. sounds familiar. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. So at least there's that, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I appreciate it, and I appreciate both of you. You not just your time, but your your opinions, because that's that's what this show is. Yeah, we'll talk about right. uh, com, you know things that are happening in the news, like the box set. Or I also want to give a shout out to uh, to Jeff Rouse, who has uh, released uh, the first video from his EP, so that is available now. Uh, so check out new music from, uh, of course, from uh, Duff McKagan's Loaded Jeff Rouse. Uh, but you know we'll give news like that. But this is an opinion. This is an opinion. GNR podcast, rock podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be to have 62 episodes now and, uh, and getting most of them having some really cool interviews. Of course, this one with Constantine. So uh, thank you so and much. By the way, uh, uh-huh. Chris Weber wrote anything goes. Not not think about you. Oh, thank <laughs> you for correcting me. So if I ever make a mistake, <laughs> I will always own up to it. Or if I say something. You know, that's not factually correct. Tell me. So tell me. I'm not an expert. 
I'm just a fan who happens to have a microphone in front of him. That's it. Hell yeah. So, uh, Tim, you're always uh, welcome back. So one more soundbite uh, because, Tim, you are officially – You're a bad apple. That's that's what I call my fans. That's what I call my guests. So, you know, if you attack my bad apples, the whole fucking bunch is going to come at you. So I'm not going to let one spoil the whole damn bunch. So uh, thanks for everyone who are joining uh, episode 62. Constantine, uh, what a fucking guest he was. You guys were amazing. So yes, while this is a pre-recorded podcast, I like to keep things in real time. So uh, literally, I'm about to interview uh, Eric Valentine in just a few minutes. But that's going to be on the next episode of the AFD show. So when are you going to see that? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.